0: allow well, for your perception of yourself. Man, I
1: was thinking I, I probably could have done the internal insecurity. I was it's oh, like okay. You could do let either me think one. Of a, let I'm me giving think you of an option Linkin park song that fits this. Um
0: Yeah, Justin, do whichever one you want, you know, of those two ideas. I'm just giving you options.
1: I don't know. Right when you said that, I just immediately thought of Lincoln Park and I'm just trying to narrow it down. Which one was about like an insecurity? Uh,
0: well, there's the song crawling that literally says insecure. Yeah.
1: And that, that is a good song. Um, yeah, that's a good one, man. Crawling in my skin, these wounds they will not heal. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, fear is how I fall. Confusing, confusing. What is real? Yeah, that one was tight. All right, Justin, this is gonna you me want to me. listen to? This is gonna make me want to listen to Hybrid Theory. Which is a oh, wild album. Meteor. Is Never better. a
2: bad idea.
3: Um Yeah, you get a point, Justin. All right, Heather, same to you. You can choose either one of the themes if you want.
2: Um well I gotta I gotta take the move on route. Who is that girl I see staring straight back at me? When will my reflection show? Who I am inside. I'm also sick, so it's worse this week. Sorry, guys.
0: No, that's fair. There you go. You get a point, too. Now, Thanks. In order, because
3: I can't assume that you would sing the songs that I would choose, right? Because that's weird. But now to play the bonus game, uh, that you would get bonus points would, would be the correct answers for me. So... Uh, Justin, what is your guess? I've got two songs you can choose from. So if you hit either
0: one of those, you'll get bonus points.
1: Hmm. Well, since you like Spider-Man so much, what was that one song from Spider-Man 2? Hope dangles on a string like slow spinning redemption. Winding out, winding in. That one. I'm fit selfish i am wrong that's what you're thinking of i know you listen to that i know you love it i'm
3: not don't get me wrong i do enjoy some dashboard confessional every once in a while um <laughs> but no that was not what i was Save. thinking of and if i'm gonna sing a song from spider-man it's gonna be hero as much as nickelback kind of sucks that song that chad kroger did with the lead singer of saliva is a fucking yeah. banger
2: it was good I did like that song. It's the fucking Vindicated great. was my jam. No, Vindicated you didn't works. Like
1: Vindicated, though. Vindicated, unfortunately,
3: I came out when I had already ended my emo phase. So it didn't hit the same for me.
1: I oh, see it in me now, the things you swore you sigh yourself. <laughs> oh, I used to
2: love that song. In college, I had that song on repeat. I loved it.
0: all right Heather what's your guess um
2: so I'm gonna go with oh I know that um I know there's a Kelly Clarkson song because I feel like you have mentioned it before um oh what is it uh Oh, the um, will you still love me even with my dark side? Something like that.
4: What's the I name think of the song?
2: You've talked about that. Dark side.
3: Okay. Well, Heather right? gets two bonus points. That is one of them. Yes. Kelly Clarkson's oh, dark side. She got it. That is one of them. The other. Because I one,
2: remember. No, yeah, I remember you talking about you love that song from her. Yeah.
3: Yes. So that is one of my like like is kind of like an internal insecurity type of thing, right? Another internal insecurity song that I have is right. Said Fred's too sexy. I am afraid that I'm just too sexy and it just fucks everything up for, you know, with me, with other people. It's just a burden.
2: I mean, you know, you gotta, you just gotta be honest. You know
3: what I mean? But no, when it comes to like Kelly Clarkson's dark side, that was probably the more correct answer. Um, No, it's, it's one of those songs that like, because of like my childhood and stuff like that and all the things that happened to me as a kid and not really feeling like I belong to my family and then like being sexually assaulted and all that stuff. Like I feel like I have a lot of emotional baggage that makes relationships with people very hard for me. So like it is one of those ones where like that song really kind of hits with me and like, as a like a, Constant thing that I like think about with people and like relationships with people with that stuff, because like growing up like I did, I'm like, I don't necessarily know. Kind of how to perceive people having love for me or perceiving how to show love towards other people all the time. And so, yeah, no, that that song really always resonated with me in that instance. And I think it really kind of fits with especially some of the songs in the the movie we're going to talk about today
4: Mm -hmm.
3: so yeah that's why I did it because yeah that was that was a really fun part about this movie anyway we'll talk about it Uh, yeah here's our music
0: somebody will listen to me nobody knows anything but you
3: Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Jasmine. And today we are talking about Disney's Encanto. We will talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. There will be time codes in the description below. Uh, to help you jump around, if you so require. And with all that, Justin, what are your thoughts about Disney's Encanto? Actually, hold up. We talked about this beforehand. I don't know why it is. Uh, the, the, The little animated short beforehand, I guess we should start with that. Because, you know, it was before the movie, and so we should talk about it before the movie. So, Justin, what are your thoughts about the little thing? You can spoilers for it. It's a little animated short, so... Just what are your Far thoughts?
2: from the tree, I believe.
3: Yeah, something like that.
1: Yeah, I was about to say. What was the name? Of it. What was the title of it? Yeah, I think you're right. It was far from the tree. Um, uh, I think. Um, overall, I thought it was okay. Um, I typically do like the little shorts that they do. There's always just a uh, a little story. The animation's usually interesting. Um, at the during those little. Walt Disney animated shorts and everything like that. And, and usually it's a story that's kind of resonant and everything like that. And in this particular one, um, I, I did like how it, it kind of depicted because, you know, you have these two uh, raccoons and like one is um, the the child and then you have one that's the 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 father and everything. And then you you kind of essentially have like a situation where um, a lesson is taught, but the first time it's taught, it's kind of taught in kind of a very like kind of violent, almost kind of, Uh, 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 It was a little bit abusive, like on that borderline kind of like the the lesson was about kind of predators and 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 steering clear predators and being careful of your surroundings and things like that was kind of the overall message I got from it um, from the first one. But the way that the message was given, it was very violent. It was kind of, you know, it, it, it was sort of like this parent kind of instilling this lesson into the child. And then what I loved about it was the contrast of like, but then the generation passes. And so now this child that got that harsh lesson about this predator and everything like that and steering clear, you know, being safe on the beach and not going outside of your means and all of that. So now we flipped it and now it's like, now that child is a parent and the, and as the parent, that raccoon started to do the same thing to his kid that the father had done to him. But I love the realization that, you know, um the the that realization and that memory of how he felt getting that kind of parenting and getting it taught to him in such a sort of violent kind of way. And Stopping that and thinking about that and then teaching their child a completely different way, showing them what the danger is, uh, taking it more like step by step and being more descriptive and honest about what the worries are, why you should be careful and everything like that. And as a result of that communication and just understanding that there was a better way to communicate and teach and learn the 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 relationship that that raccoon the, the had with had with the child seemed better it seemed more cohesive it seemed um It seemed better and they bonded better because of the way it was taught. So I I just liked that contrast, like even though the same lesson was taught, it just kind of showed the value of how lessons are taught how you teach children things how people learn things Your the that approach sometimes is everything even if intentions are good um approach really makes a difference so anyway that's sort of what i got out of it so overall I, i i liked it and you know that was my opinion of it i guess
0: uh heather what about you
2: Yeah. Overall, I think it was, um, it was, yeah, it was a a decent little short. Um, the, yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it did this good job of showing for one, like what, what is you showing your protection for someone you care about look like? Um, are you doing it in a way where you're you you care too much about protecting that you don't show that you're doing it for the reason is because you love them um and a big it, it seems like a big pattern transition of like breaking the cycle of what you were taught and you have the choice to change that cycle you know and you don't have to keep repeating that pattern that you grew up with and i think that is an important lesson and i think that's a good lesson Um, And I think they did it in a, in a good way. So yeah, ultimately that was the message I was getting from it. And I like that at the end, you know, the, the older, the older raccoon was, uh, you know, just kind of realized pretty much like right away, like, oh, this is what I hated that happened to me and changed it immediately. But then also was able to, at the end, just say, you know what? Yeah, there's dangers in life, but let's go out and enjoy what we can while we can together. And I feel like that was sort of what they were showing at the end of this completely silent cartoon short. (laughs) They didn't say it, but they showed it. And that's kind of what I got from it. So yeah, I think it did have some important messages in there, at least the ones that I got from it, um yeah, I thought it was good
3: yeah, to piggyback off you guys, I thought it was really effective for how short it was to kind of show the effects and like how you break what would be called generational trauma, you know, like you know, sometimes with like abusive parents. They're abusive because they were abused as kids. And it's like that continuing cycle, you know, because the whole idea is, well, I was beat as a kid. So and I turned out fine. So I can beat you, too. You'll be fine. And I thought that this was a really effective way of showing how that's not necessarily uh, the best way to go about things, you know, because I don't know if anybody realizes this, but times change. Like, it's not the same, you know, and that you have to be conscious, of, conscious of things like that, you know, that just because that that's how you were raised or something like that doesn't mean, especially as the world changes and in our understanding of behaviors and, and, and teaching methods and people change that the old ways are just the right ways to do it. Like, it works on several layers with that in, in in that regard. You know, just because, you know, we've done something forever. This is the way it's been. That doesn't mean that's necessarily the right thing to do. I mean, there's all kinds of things that I think that something like this applies to. Like, tangentially. I'm not saying that that was, like, necessarily the intention of the people that made it. But it kind of works on several levels with some stuff. Like... There's a lot of studies out there that show, like, the way human beings' sleep patterns are aren't natural. And a lot of people that, like, wake up in the middle of the night for a couple of hours and stuff like that and go back to sleep, that's actually a more natural rhythm for sleep. And the reason why we have the artificial, like, eight-hour window of sleep and all this other stuff had to do with farming. There's nothing really, like, it was. it's an artificially made thing. And that that's not the most natural way to sleep and stuff like that. So then a lot of our society is then just built on that artificially and we don't change it because that's just the way it's been for so long at this point. So why change it? And it's kind of the same thing in this, when when it comes to the way the raccoons were like, you know, obviously the first raccoon or the, the dad raccoon in the first part of it was scarred from uh, a predator when he was young. I think that's at least what, there you're led to believe it doesn't show, but you're led to believe that. And that's why he's defensive with his kid because he didn't want his kid to get eaten by that. And that's a fine thing. Like you don't want your kid eaten by a wolf, jackal, fox thing, whatever it was. And in doing so, he like scares his kid of him, like of him to not do that stuff, especially after he gets hurt. And then it's the continuous cycle. That's what he's doing too. And stuff like that. So, no, I just thought it was a very interesting thing that it told a story of generational trauma and stuff like that in, in what, eight minutes? <laughs> like, it's just really yeah. effective at that. And it's it's one of those things that that's sounds like it's a very deep thing. And it is, it don't, don't get me wrong. It is a very deep concept and stuff like that. But I think it did a very effective story in telling like the pratfalls and the the fallacies of of continuing stuff like that, so it was very interesting to see something and and, and like you guys said, with no words, like they didn't say any words because it's fucking raccoons and stuff, and it was just really interesting that that's how they were able to do it, and I thought they were very effective with it, so
2: yeah,
1: yeah, I agree and it was a great precursor i think for the movie which deals with some similar things oh yeah so, yeah
0: definitely yeah all right yeah so now justin Encanto. now go
1: okay so um no i really like this um i think that this was th- this was very good um um I mean, it's it's very good. This was a very, very good um, Disney animated movie. Probably one of the better ones I've seen just as far as like from Disney animation. Now, of course, there's Pixar animation and stuff like that. But th- this was very good. Um, I could definitely see this so good. I think it's so good, in fact, that I could definitely see it being in the running for like best animated Film this year, I think it'll wind up in that lineup. I'm pr- almost certain of it. it. I would be shocked if it didn't line up. If it didn't wind up uh, in the awards lineup, in the Oscars, and all the other screen actor or, or not or like the some of the guild awards and stuff, I, I would just be surprised not to see elements of this movie from that because everything from the 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 music um it's filled with just like um colombian culture and everything like that and it's very vibrant uh the the the, the the color palette is great, but it all felt like everything had a purpose. Like it wasn't just like, look at these awesome graphics. Like there are so many just fine details that are story element details just in the characters, their clothes, the way certain characters hair was, um, you know, certain symbols and patterns on their clothes that sort of say something about who that character is or what they represent. Like, uh, And just everything down to this uh, magical uh, casa that's in the movie, this, this magical house. Like, there was just so many things about this that I think are great just from a filmmaking standpoint, but just also from a visual standpoint. And, like, I think, like, you know, this isn't a spoiler. I guess I can just say this just talking about details and graphics. But, man, some of the hair of the characters, I was just sitting there in awe, like, man, like, that hair, her hair looks real. Like, there were just times where, like, I was just sitting there and, like, you know, I would be looking at Maribel's hair, or I would be looking at some detail of their clothes, and I would be like, man, that looks like real hair. Like, how did they, look how far our graphics have come. Like, just look how far rendering and and cgi and computer graphics have come like just some of the details in this are just so gorgeous i just couldn't help but just look at it and be uh spellbounded by it so i mean so visually this was just a splendor to look at um i know that lin-manuel um miranda our good old alexander hamilton um I know that he produced a lot of the music in this writer wrote a lot of the songs um and I know he had a lot of involvement with the creation with creating these songs for this movie and stuff like that and honestly. I think about Hamilton and I think about in the Heights and stuff like that. And I think, um, I'm not going to say that this, the soundtrack is better than Hamilton. I'm not that crazy, but I did like the soundtrack better than in the Heights. I think that I thought this was superior. I, I think just, the way that the songs fit the characters, the way that the songs help the story, the way that the the how the lyrics kind of fit into what every character was saying and everything like that. And I felt like they were catchier, you know, like the song at the beginning, you know, this is the family, Madrika. Like, I don't know. I, I, I found myself kind of humming along to this and kind of bobbing to this a little bit more than I did in the Heights. So I don't know, you know, and I know that, you know, and I'm not, I guess it's not really a compare. They're so different. It's hard to compare them, but just, you know, me analyzing these songs and then the last lin manuel songs that i was listening to i just felt like these songs resonated more uh with me so i thought that that was cool and i think that overall the last thing i'll say without spoiling anything is just i think the story the way that this plays out the message of this um And and everything that it's about is a very timely, important message uh, for today. And um, I'm really feeling these stories that Disney has been doing lately and and Pixar, I guess, has been doing it a long time ago. But I'm, I'm starting to really fall in love with these stories where it's not so straightforward, like where. You know, like the antagonist is this person or this being or this alien or this thing that I have to defeat. You know, I mean, yes, those stories are cool, but I'm really feeling these stories where the villain is almost kind of like the character's insecurities or there's this character flaw that these characters need to get over. And that's like the true villain of the story. You know, Soul was like that. This movie is like that. Inside Out is like that. You know, there are other examples of movies like that, but I like this. I, I like when a, a movie uh, is more about the the opposition within more than it sometimes is about this outer opposition. So bravo to Disney Animated Studios, man. I think that this is one of the- their better entries. And uh, yeah, I was really impressed with this film and had a good time watching it.
0: Uh, yeah, Justin, you're right. The, the original songs in this were done by uh,
3: Lin-Manuel. Okay. So if you Tight. wanted a really direct comparison, unlike In the Heights or Hamilton, you could compare them to Moana because he did the original songs mm. in Moana also.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm just saying Ooh, it's a more tough.
3: a little bit more of a direct comparison of Disney animated movies, you know uh instead of a musical okay. play or something like that yeah it's tough isn't it if you're going to compare those two isn't it moana moana it, and this it's
1: tough bro yeah but but but, <laughs> but but you know moana is like high tier and so is this so if anything it's a compliment because it's right there with something like moana in my opinion
3: see where i think this is and i'll, I'll just say this real quick where i think this is better than moana is i think overall I think these are better songs than what Moana has. But I think Moana has a better standout song. You know, you could be
1: right about that.
3: Yeah. Cause yeah, that, you know, that whole, uh, I could see that. Uh, how far I go. How far I'll go. Yeah. There is no song in Encanto. I think that reaches that level. Cause that song is just, top tier Disney songs for me of all time. But damn, like as a collective though, like I'm, there's a very good chance I'll end up buying the soundtrack to Encanto.
1: Yeah. It's the collection of songs and what they Mm -hmm. mean to the story. Yeah. They just hit it. Man. And there, and there's a beautiful one late in the movie. Like I didn't understand what it was. It was all Spanish. I didn't understand what was being said, but my God, it was beautiful. Like, I want to go back and understand what was being said, but it was it was beautiful, man. Like, yeah, like, I think I get what you're saying, though, as a collective that this is one of the better collection of songs in a Disney movie. I think I could say that, you know, and not feel bad about it. I don't think
3: you have to put the word Disney in there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> probably you don't. So,
0: yeah, good point. Uh Heather, what about you?
2: Yeah, I really liked this a lot too. Um I mean, it's got you know, it's got all of that the fun and the charm and the um entertainment of, you know, Disney movies that are like this. Um I just I I agree with you, Justin, as far as how they're kind of making the stories and the the villains and the you know protagonists versus antagonists a lot more profound these days. And I do appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, this story is a really good story, and it's um, I mean, it's very deep. Like it's a profound one. It is on the level of soul and inside out for me, as far as, you know, Disney movies that I resonate with, uh, with their message, because I mean, there's a really great message and part of this movie that just, I think it can, a lot of people can relate to it. And a lot of people can sort of feel what our, our main character is feeling and things like that. Um, you know, as far as, you know, things that she's searching for and wanting to feel special and things like that. Um yeah I think yeah there's there's a lot to unpack that I'm excited to get into um but yeah I think it's it, this one got me guys <laughs> this one like I was like uh oh, this one's going to make me cry like it was just really there were some moments of it that I was like man this is this is deep <laughs> so but they also they make it so beautiful too and they make it really um you know layered and surrounded by the fun of it and the, the hopefulness of it all. And yeah, it's, it's really, it's a really fantastic. Um, it's a really fantastic movie. I did like it a lot and, you know, reflecting on it a few days after I've seen it too is really um, yeah, it's, it it just makes me appreciate some things more when I look back on them and I'm like, Oh yeah, that happened. Um, so I think yeah, I, I think that the characters are all really great, and I, I like the family dynamics. I think they feel pretty real. Um, I liked learning a little bit of sort of that that Cuban culture of you know what they kind of the the flair that they put into this movie about this Cuban family and um, Colombian. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Colombian. I'm sorry. I, I knew that. And I think that that's what I thought I said. <laughs> Sorry about that. The Colombian family. But, um, you know, I just, I just love that, that f- the flair of Columbia that they put in this and just I, I the dynamics, the whole family dynamics, um, were really great. It was just really great. And, um, and it, it just, you know, you see these, these sister dynamics and these parents dynamics and grandparent dynamics and, learning, you know, what each person is sort of dealing with that the world wouldn't know about because they have to live up to this specific standard because they're, you know, a magical family with a magic house. So it's it's just really cool to see them unpack these layers to themselves that they didn't even realize they had. And yeah, I think it's a great message. I think it's really well told. Um, and I do agree. I think the songs are awesome. Um, collectively, yeah, they have really great songs and, um, yeah, I, I just, I really do. I, I really did enjoy this movie and, um, yeah, it, it's beautiful too. Obviously it's just very visually beautiful to watch and you're right. Like some of the things just look so realistic and, and I loved the, just when you would see the house come alive and the fun little magic things that the house could do for everybody, uh that was really cool. So, yeah, I thought it was really good.
0: Um first things first, fuck this movie.
3: Um not for the typical reasons why I would say that. It's not a fuck this movie I hated every second watching it cuz it sucks or anything like that. Uh fuck this movie because I'm kind of with Heather. I Almost started fucking bawling at the end of this movie. Like, fuck this movie. <laughs> uh, this really kind of plays on some, uh, on some of those tropes that are some of the few things that can kind of hit me like that. And yep, this was one of them. Oh, fuck. I was I was so mad at the end of this movie. I was like, fuck you. I am like alone. Like I'm a 35 year old man in this theater. By myself. With a bunch of other families in here. I cannot start crying. Like fuck you movie. <laughs> You're not going to do this to me. Um, I, I This movie though. Is probably. Like it's very hard. Because I think Disney animation has been on kind of a roll. But oh man. I'm hard pressed to not say that this might not be one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. And. Part of it, when we were talking about earlier, when it comes to like songs, like overall might have better songs. This movie goes on three songs in a row. That I think are just. Some of the best songs you'll hear in a Disney movie within the context of the movie. Like, so when it does uh, surface pressure and then follows it up, with we don't talk about Bruno. And then what else can I do? Like that three songs are like, they're all in a row. Oh yeah! Like they're not back to back, but they, they play consecutively in the movie. That is one of the best, like song combinations in a movie. I think I've ever heard. Yep. And kind of like what you were talking about, Justin with like the way they did the songs in this. You were they're all new but they kind of feel familiar enough to where or at least they're they're well written enough that you're kind of able to hum along with them very quickly.
4: Mhm.
3: Yeah. You know, which just is great songwriting, you know, which means they've got familiar themes in them or you know, and based on the visuals you're seeing, you kind of get context to what's going to happen in the song next and all this stuff. And it's just so fucking fantastic. Like that song, surface pressure is utterly amazing. That was my favorite.
1: That was my, that was favorite, my favorite too. That was my favorite. that was my favorite song.
3: And is it, is Boy, it not that because- that would hit
1: me in the fields. Is it not Boy, because like when in it's, the it's in there and
3: it's going drip, drip, drip. Like the way they did that, just fuck, that was great songwriting.
2: Yeah, yeah. that was awesome.
3: But then they did like that, uh, we can't talk about Bruno, and then, like I said, then they followed up with the song, uh, What Else Can I Do?, which she does with her uh, her other sister. What was her name? Uh, Isabella. Yeah. You know, and that's an utterly fantastic song, too. You know, I like how they were able to do these songs within the theme of like, you're known in the, your community and in your family, like, you're known for
0: one thing. And what happens when you can't be identified by that one thing? And
3: that's what I liked about those three songs, especially back to back, is because you've got uh, what's her name, uh, Louisa, singing that song, and like about her uh, trials and tribulations when it comes to her strength, and then you've got the, the the we can't talk about Bruno, which is able to do the same type of thing. Without Bruno singing it because it's other people singing about their impression of who, who and what Bruno is, you know, and then you get is- Isabella's song right after it, you know, because she's you know, like the perfect one and all this other stuff. And she's like, but like, I don't want to be perfect. That's not really who I am and all these things with it. It's just, like, fuck, like, thematically, these are some of the best songs I've seen in a movie. Because, especially, I mean, I know it's a musical, so, like, musically, like, good musicals, their fucking songs tie into the fucking theme of the movie. I get that. But, like, fuck, these were so
0: good. Like, they did it so fucking good. You know? And then then
3: the way they started off, too, with the the family uh, Madrigal, like, that's a great setup song, Mm -hmm. you know, like the way they use that song in a way to, like, just give you the backstory of everybody enough so that when you get to these these character songs, you don't need the song to do it, you know. You don't need the song to give the backstory as to why they feel the way they do now. You get that all in the intro song. And then, you know, so these characters are able to have these songs about insecurities and self-identity without also giving their backstory. Because you're already caught up. And that's just such a great way to fucking write a movie. You know?
2: Yeah, it was the equivalent of, like, a once-upon-a-time setup at the beginning of a story.
0: But it was, better. <laughs> but it was done in a fantastic way with a better, with like, a great fucking song. Yeah. You know? But no, yeah, this movie's really good. And fuck
3: it. Ugh. Making me feel emotions and shit. <laughs> like, fuck you, movie. Who do you think you are, Disney. Making me feel emotions <laughs> with your fucking movies. Ugh. Which is funny because we brought up Moana and Moana's one of the another one that's done that to me. And then we've talked about what Princess and the Frog and that like, Fuck Disney movies, man. <laughs> Disney movies. You need kidding. to go take a shower now. I do. Ugh. I'm tainted. Tainted
0: by feelings. Uh recommendations and scores. Yeah. Yeah. Recommendations
2: and score.
0: Uh, Heather go.
2: Yeah, I absolutely recommend it. This is actually on my uh list of top favorite Disney movies as well. Um Yeah, I, I think yeah, the characters are great. There is somebody in this movie that you're going to relate to. Um there's a song that you're going to relate to. It's it's just really really great and well done and Um, yeah, you're just going to be really satisfied with the whole of the movie. Um, yeah, it's emotional, but it's funny and it's fun. It's clever, you know, witty. It's all of those things that you want, but truly those things, like all of them. It's not just like, oh, it's good on the funny, but not on the serious or vice versa. It's really all those things that you want. Um, yeah, I I think it's great. you know, I I do I loved um I loved Stephanie Beatrice, uh who plays Mirabelle. I loved her as the lead. I thought she did a great job. I didn't realize that she could sing as well as she does. Um, so it was great to hear that. And I, I just really liked the dynamics of everybody in the family and just the whole, you know, the 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 climax of the movie, all of it is just really really great. And then just how it, the, the roller coaster that you go on sort of with what happens in this movie is just really well done, very well paced, very well told. And yeah, it's going to be a fun time. It's, it's really great. And I definitely do recommend it. I'm going to give it. Um, 93 pianos that are too heavy for Louisa to move out of a hundred.
0: Justin, what about you? Yeah. Um
1: it's it's funny because um th- watching a movie like this makes me um envy kind of kids of today because when they go back through their childhood movies and stuff like this they'll be like look man you know we had <laughs> we had Encanto we had You know, Coco, we had Raya and the Last Dragon, and we had like Moana and all of this kind of stuff. And sometimes when I look back, like, I gotta be reminded of Dumbo and the the Jim Crows, (laughs) and I gotta think about, you know, Peter Pan and, you know, what makes the red man red and all of that kind of stuff. And, just like how completely like off the mark and racist and horrible it was, you know, like, and then I think about these movies now and just what is an acceptable animated movie now. And it's so great to see diversity. It's so great to see these messages. Um, about just like i said like the 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 true villain is just these character flaws or these things that we sometimes fail to realize while we're focusing on all these other things or trying to keep something safe or whatever the journey is i just love just how um how much these movies and more advanced these movies are you know, sort of doing away with this idea that there's just this chosen person and this one special person and they are meant to do this thing and they're the only one special and they do all of these things it's refreshing to see all of these different kinds of stories you know whether it's soul and a person like dealing with what they think their purpose is and missing out on the true purpose of life which is just living or it's something like this where you have a character where um they have no powers and yet you know, and they're surrounded by family members and people people who have all these special abilities yet they can be the main character and be um and be significant in the story it's just so nice to see that and so it just makes me kind of envious of kids who get to grow up and have these stories and will be able to look back on these and be like yeah it still was great and I don't have to apologize for anything or feel bad about anything or feel bad that I liked it growing up or I did didn't see how horrible it was when I was little. I- I'm glad that they won't have to go through that. Uh, with that being said, that was just a thought I thought I'd share cause it came to me. But with that being said, yeah, man, I recommend this. It's a great movie. Like I said, it'll be in the running for best animated feature. And it is as far as like Disney animation studios and, and even, you know, it's on the level of even some of the better Pixar movies as well. Like this is, uh, t- this is definitely top tier, uh, Disney for me. It's that good. Um, and and it really just does have a great message. So with that being said, we're going to go, we're, we're going to go, uh, 92, um, uh, houses that are alive and (laughs) save you from different perils in any way that it can, uh, out of a hundred. Uh, I
3: think that's a really good point you brought up, Justin. Like a lot of people want to talk about the amazing Disney animated movies that we grew up on. Um, And because some of them are iconic and legendary and stuff like that. But then even then they still have an insane amount of flaws about them with some of that stuff.
0: You know, a lot of people don't really think about Dumbo and what was truly there. And to them,
3: it's like, oh, no, it's just an iconic Disney movie. You know, that's why there's the Dumbo ride at Disney World. All that stuff. But then, you know, the Jim Crow's in it that people just always forget about. You know, even something like Fantasia, nobody wants to remember that there were racial caricatures in Fantasia. That are horrible. Um, yeah. You know, with the centaurs and stuff like that, I think they ended up cutting them out. But it was like there was a few black centaurs that had very stereotypical and damaging, uh, like the way they were drawn, the, the way they were illustrated was just very much like a minstrel style show caricature of those characters. And stuff like that that they forget about. Even when you go and look back at like something like Aladdin. You know, Aladdin seems relatively harmless. Until you realize it's a movie about the Middle East. And characters in the Middle East. With just not a single Middle Eastern person in like the cast at all. At all. The fucking guy that plays like Scott or Steve or whatever. DJ Tanner's boyfriend on Full House. Does the voice of fucking Aladdin. You know. Yeah. And then you yeah. get you get into something like Mulan and what is uh Donnie Osmond played the voice of Shang. Like, what the fuck were we doing at the I don't know, all the way up until about five years ago, because that's honestly when it changed. Like, holy fuck. Like you just look back through all of it, and it's just kind of all terrible. It really is. I get that, you know, back then to them, you know, they just wanted people that could sing and this and that. And it was Disney. Nobody cared because it was animated, especially. It's not like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Most people didn't give a fuck when they whitewashed regular characters and other stuff anyway. But, you know, that was just kind of how it was. Like Disney would just get fucking people to do their fucking movies because it didn't matter. It was animated, you know, nobody cared.
0: And there's a reason why, if you really look back on it, those movies are kind of fucking bland
3: because these movies steal from these other cultures, but they don't have any sense of culture about them. You know, Mm -hmm. Mulan has no real sense of culture. Pocahontas has no real sense of culture. Aladdin has no real sense of culture to it. But you look at something like Moana, you look at something
0: like this. Mm-hmm. they have culture to them. You know, they have just more depth to them because of that. And I
3: think, I just think that that just truly makes for better movies. You know, I mean, I, you, people can say whatever they want about like a lot of the old Disney stuff and stuff like that. But I would I'll take fucking Moana or this movie over fucking Pocahontas any day.
0: Hey, cause the way they do fucking Pocahontas is all kinds of weird. Just so weird. Yeah. You know, like I understand
3: that, you know, there's historical inaccuracies and all kinds of stuff, but like, There's just something weird about John Smith and fucking Pocahontas falling in love considering the real story. is She's like 13. He's like 37. It's weird. You know, and then they more or less kidnapped Pocahontas and took her to England where they just kind of toured her around as, you know, an attraction to come see the American savage girl. And then she dies of smallpox away from her family and culture. Yeah, let's make a movie about that. Who the fuck decided that? Who hears that story and goes, you know what? We need to make a Disney musical about that. We'll just get rid of all the other shit and make her an adult too. So it's not creepy.
0: Like, what the fuck was going on? Anyway. But that was... and I wouldn't have probably brought any of that up.
3: Except when you brought up that you're just like jealous of kids these days growing up because... Yeah, they do have better Disney movies than us. Hands down. The quality of I mean, even non-Disney
2: cartoons like our animated films, like Prince of Egypt, for example. Same thing, you know? Oh,
3: yeah. No, yeah. That is fair, Heather. Uh, Disney was not the only culprit of all that bullshit. Um, Right. Yeah. But Disney, it's just easier to pick on because just Disney was the king of all of it. Um, Right. But, yeah, it's just they get such better movies than we did when it comes to Disney stuff. Just leaps and bounds better. You know, it's just, oh, man. And they don't appreciate it either. All those little fucking kids in my theater were, like, fucking talking through the movie and shit. And I'm like, you're not appreciating the greatness that's happening in front of you. Fuck off. (laughs) Right. (laughs) This is a great fucking movie. Pay attention. Which reminds me, parents, if your kids can't go five fucking seconds without screaming, don't take them to a movie. Right. Like, I get it. (laughs) Little kids are going to talk. But, dude, there was this one kid that kept fucking just screaming every five seconds. And I'm like, what are you doing bringing this child to a movie? Like, Nobody's having fun with this. You're not having fun. The kids obviously not having fun. No one's having fun. Why are you doing this? Just pack it up. and Go home. There were kids talking and like, you know, eating their fucking popcorn with their, you know, their mouth all the way open the entire time. And you just hear the grossest (laughs) noises because they're all kids. And I, I get that. Okay. At this point, it's a fucking Disney movie. I'm 35. I'm the weird one in the theater. I get it. <laughs> All right. It's a kid's movie. Well, it's, it's a family movie. It's not a kid's movie. It's a family movie, but I get it. I'm the odd man out in this situation. But like I said, if your kid can't go five seconds without screaming, nah, he shouldn't be there. Just throwing that out there. Just, you know, parenting tip from somebody without kids. Just take it for I what you I think you, you
2: should own. start, like, Doing a, a two-minute take of your theory theater experiences, because they've been some doozies lately.
3: <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just they all hate me. Um, and it's all the same type of thing. That's the problem. I get it, guys. The whole country was on lockdown for like a year and a fucking half. We're kind of getting back to normal with some stuff. So everybody's just wants to be out and they want to do shit and all this other stuff, but like. Why is you got to be talking in the theater? I mean, of all the things that we could have like lost during the pandemic, that could have been one of them. We could have got that guys, but no, it's coming back with a vengeance. Oh, I'm not looking forward to Spider-Man. I'm not. It's going to, there's going to be so many fucking people in that theater and they're going to (laughs) be talking. And I just know people are going to clap at the end of it. I'm just preparing myself for it that motherfuckers are going to start clapping at the end of that goddamn movie, regardless of anything. <laughs> and I'm going to oh, yeah, get mad sure. at every single one of them. Just every single one of them. Cause that is just atrocious behavior. Anyway, back to Encanto. Canto. <laughs> uh, I feel like I've everything about this recommendation to score has been about everything, but Encanto. Canto. Uh, no, I do. I recommend this movie. I I profoundly enjoyed it. I think it's a, an incredibly amazing story. It you know it, it it once again shows that the great thing about humanity
0: at this point is that people and cultures are now able to show you
3: their differences whilst also showing the basic human similarities that fucking people have. And I think that that's just a great, great thing because this movie is very much Colombian and all this other stuff, but then like hits on such universal notes that are just these gigantically huge basic human concepts. And then on top of that, they made that the villain of the movie, which I used to base Disney movies on the villain. That was kind of my litmus test of how good a Disney movie was, was how good was the villain. And
0: you can't do that anymore. And, and I'd almost say that this movie in a weird way, kind of almost perfected that like it, it had a universal like theme as the villain of a movie.
3: Who the fuck does that? And then they were also incredibly smart because they didn't really personify it. Because that's the other thing, too, is they would, you know, in an older animated movie, they'd personify it. You know, they'd personify this granular yeah. idea. Look at something like Fern Gully, where like pollution was personified in that movie, you know, and stuff like that. Like, that's what. Traditionally animated movies would do. They'd personify. This theme or this idea.
0: And. This movie didn't. And it was utterly fantastic. Because of it. I think it was more
3: impactful. By not doing that. Because. It kept with the theme of the movie that. It's kind of a universal idea. That everybody. Struggles with this type of these types of thoughts and feelings at any given point in their life, you know, and, that, 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 and it wasn't even necessarily that that was the villain. And that's the other thing too. I, I, I'm, I'm misappropriately using the word villain with that because it's not in a lot of ways you could argue this movie is completely villainless and is just a story about people and relationships with each other.
2: Yeah,
3: in varying degrees whether it's just your relationship with other people in your community your relationship with yourself your relationship with your siblings you know
0: just relationships and in doing so I mean this movie just kind of hits on so many levels and I loved every aspect of it um, I'm gonna give this movie. Ninety Oh, where are we gonna go? 98 uh, ninety-eight ninety-eight Brunos with a bucket on his head of a out of a hundred. <laughs> yeah, that'll be it. Uh spoilers. Yep. Yeah. Spoilers. So, yeah, I,
3: I might as well pull the bandaid off. Uh, oh, God, the end of this movie, dude, When like this. This whole fucking thing when it's. Maribel is sitting There's gonna there.
2: It's going to be a lot of language because you're hiding emotion.
3: <laughs> I am, and I'm fucking so mad about it. Uh, like when Maribel is sitting there and like. It, 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 at the climax of this movie, and it's the whole idea of. You know, she doesn't feel like she belongs in the family. And then the grandmother's pushing her away and to protect the family whilst not realizing that that's actually still hurting the family, like just that whole thing. So when it gets to that scene, like I'm starting to feel it, I'm starting to feel the feels when it gets to that scene where the grandmother like approaches her at the river. And she's telling her story. And it's it's that song you were talking about, Justin, that's, like, all in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> and that song's fucking going. You're seeing the past of the grandmother, but then you're seeing the grandmother understand her mistakes and how that, that's what was damaging the family. And the family is what made them strong, not their powers. And, you know, all these things where it's you've got Maribel feeling like she doesn't belong in the family the grandmother doesn't feel like she belongs to the family. So all that like culminates in that fucking scene. And then like, so in that scene, like the granddaughter is learning more about her grandmother. You're seeing the grandmother's past that fucking beautiful ass fucking song is going in the background. And then fucking <laughs> the grandmother's like realizes their, her ways and like reaccepts Maribel and then re accepts Bruno all at the same time. I almost lost my goddamn shit. (laughs) Yep, that was some beautiful ass fucking filmmaking, though. Like I'm starting to feel it again right now. I'm starting to feel it. (laughs) It's fucking profound as shit. But the way they filmed it and the way it's animated, and like Justin was talking about that fucking songs going on in the background, and I know I know zero fucking Spanish. Just zero and it does not matter one bit because you get every single fucking ounce of emotion out of that song mm-hmm. and the way it's just put yeah. into the movie and the and just everything like that is fucking like filmmaking 101 fucking this is how you do it type shit like that is probably one of the best like denouement climax like however you want to call it, like resolutions in a movie I've ever fucking seen because the way they were able to tie every single fucking element together in that scenario is it's just like proof that that's how you fucking write a story. That's how you, you know, that's how you mix music into a fucking scene. Like that's how you write a song. That's how you, you know what I mean? Like there's just so many elements that they fucking layered right there. that so many fucking films would fail on. That This movie did better than so many fucking films ever have in that scene. Like I said, just even thinking back about it right now, I'm starting to feel some of the thing, like the same feelings I felt when I was watching it, which once again is a testament to how fucking well that scene is done. That just by talking about it and thinking about it comes across so clearly that it can give you the same emotional response.
0: That's some great fucking filmmaking right there. Anyway, Woo. Uh, <laughs> but no, this movie that's, and
3: I think that that's why a lot of this movie hit me so fucking hard was like anybody that knows me and knows my family and everything like that. It's very much obvious that like, like Maribel in this movie, it's kind of like that whole, like that, uh, oh, what was it? the, the that kind of trope that a lot of people say in this scenario, like, uh, one thing's not like the other or something like that, that type of scenario, you know, Mm. because that's very much how I am with my family. You know, uh, I am just kind of every bit, the antithesis of a lot of my family, you know, my family tends to be insanely conservative and, you know, all this stuff, like, that's where my family leans, and, you know, I think that, you know, and my my dad, my dad loves John Wayne movies, and everybody's heard my fucking take on John Wayne, you know? So it's those types of things. Um, I mean, the, those are kind of some superficial things, but I'm just saying, like, that's kind of just an in-general thing. But, like, growing up in, in in my household and stuff like that, without going into, like, some severe crazy deep issues I have with my family that this is not appropriate uh, place to do it on. I never felt like, like growing up, I had a hard time feeling like I belonged in my family. You know, in a lot of ways, like outside of just being the black sheep and outside of like your normal teen, teen ink stuff, you know, there was a lot of deep seated and behind the scenes stuff with my family that Like caused me to feel like I didn't really have a home and all this other stuff. Like, I mean, I left home and went to college right away, like, you know, right after I graduated. And then when college didn't work out, I kind of couch surfed for a little bit. It was like two or three months. And then I was off into the Navy, you know, and then, you know, when, when that ended, I couch surfed at my parents' house for another two months. And then I just fucking moved out again. You know, I very much have kind of been away from my family a lot of of my adult life because of those issues. Now, me being away from my family has kind of what helped heal some of the things, because, you know, like with me and my dad, we don't work well living together. You know, that's like when I got out of the Navy, why I only lasted like two months there before I had to move out, because like, yeah, two months of living in the same under the same roof. We we're fucking at each other's throats again just fucking at it you know and a lot of that stuff is kind of why uh that the the short at the beginning of the movie kind of had such an impact on me because the whole idea of generational abuse and all that other stuff is kind of something that's very uh tied into my life you know with how i was raised and stuff like that now like i can't have kids so i don't necessarily have to worry about spreading that but then also me not being able to have kids is kind of was kind of happened because I don't want to spread generational abuse and stuff like that, you know, and it's just internally recognizing where I'm at with a lot of that stuff because of the same thing. But he raised me that way because that's how he was raised and he was raised that way because that's how his you know granddad was raised. So it's, it's you know, a constant, you know, cycle when it comes to a lot of that stuff. And so like, so same with this is like, With my family, like the character of Maribel, I very much felt that way a huge chunk of my life. And even though now I'm 35 and I don't necessarily have terrible relationships with some of my family, I also don't talk to some of my family. So then, in some regards, there's some elements of the stuff with Bruno and stuff like that, because, you know, like there's a reason why. Like, I don't talk to members of my family and stuff like that. And it's partially because of what they automatically expected from me. And it's what I expected from them in certain situations that caused such a gigantic rift and stuff like that. So then I've got those elements of the storyline. So, like, when you've got me completely feeling with the character of Maribel and you've got the character of of Bruno and, like, that culmination of both their storylines at that exact moment and stuff like that. Yeah, that's one reason why I almost... Fucking became a waterfall in this movie, but like even with that though, like I I never like I can't necessarily say that I really you know connect with the character of Isabel because nobody ever considered me the perfect kid in any way shape or form. So yeah, but it was still a good part. But even then, like being the eldest and stuff like that, a lot of uh, Luisa's song really kind of hit with me on that, you know, because you know when you you're the eldest and stuff like that. You're held to just infinitely different expectations than the younger Mm -hmm. kids and stuff like that. So even in that regard of, you know, I had to have my grades at a certain point that like my sisters weren't held to, you know, my, even just little things like the curfew I had and how strict it was, was vastly different than that. So like the pressure and the expectations of me being the eldest, Also took a toll on it. So toll on me with some of that stuff. So I could very much really kind of tie into Louisa's song with some of that stuff. Of just that constant pressure and that constant want to succeed. But then, you know, like, especially in my case, also, you know, kind of being the black sheep in a lot of ways considered a fuck up. Like my teachers and parents favorite expression of me through most of my schooling career was didn't live up to expectations. (laughs) Like I could do all the work. I could, you know, do all the stuff. But then I had this weird thing of I just didn't do my homework. Not because I couldn't. I just didn't. You know, and I would abuse the fact that MISD had a late, you know, a late work policy to where if I just turned it in, they would have to grade it at a, like, reduced rate. So the highest I could get it was a 70. So then (laughs) I would just, like, turn in my fucking all my homework at the last possible fucking day and get insanely partial credit on it. And that was all just to maintain a B average. Cause my test scores were always good, you know? So like, I get a lot of this stuff, like so much of this movie fed into my insecurities, especially when I was a kid. And even now I don't have the best relationships with my family. It's better with some, it's not with others, but then like, I also moved halfway across the fucking country, you know, like, I left the desert and now I'm in an ice tundra, you know, and I like the cold. So that's the other weird thing about me versus my family. They're all like sunny in Florida or Texas. And I'm like, give me the fucking cold, you know, I know that's a superficial thing, but it kind of, you know, makes sense to me in a lot of ways. But yeah, it's just so many of these things and these, these themes in this movie just hit me on so many levels because it's like. Oh yeah, I completely understand what this character is going through because I've just done that for thirty-five years of my life. So, yeah, I get you know I get this character. You know what? Like, and it happened with multiple characters. So when it culminated, when it did, you're just like, "Fuck!" Or at least I was. Like I said, oh fuck this movie. Anyway, um, Justin, you go. What are some spoilery thoughts you
1: had? Well, yeah, and I think that that's kind of the the magic of this film is that if you um, lived in a family dynamic like this, I, I'm pretty sure you can find yourself in... Surely you are in one of these characters. And may you know, I'm not gonna act like everybody falls into one of these categories in the in the world or whatever, but I think that most people, you know, just because of the family dynamic of it all, do fall into some of these cat categories. And while you kind of saw yourself as the as more of a Mirabelle and um a Bruno, um I was more I guess I could say I saw myself more in Louisa and Isabella. I definitely leaned more towards them, you know, just being the oldest and the like between me, my brother and I and kind of the comparisons that were often made about us. And like I could definitely understand um you you know, your parents feeling like, you know, you have different gifts, your brother has different gifts and kind of the pressure that's put on you both. And like, I was always kind of seen as the academic and kind of the scholar, and he was always seen as the athlete. So the expectation kind of was, oh, you're going to excel academically and you're going to be the athlete. And It's funny because when I think about it, in a lot of ways, those comparisons and those expectations probably were instrumental in making my relationship with my brother not as good as it probably should have been. And a movie like this can be a real revelation because you think about some of those things and you're like, man, we probably understood if we had just maybe had the right line of communication or had thought about it more or went deeper or maybe expressed some of those things with each other. Kind of like how, um, you know, kind of like how Maribel in this movie did communicate with her siblings. Like, Perhaps we related to each other more than we realized. We probably both felt that pressure in a lot of ways and were insecure about it and in some ways just felt like the Louisa character, just at any moment, you just nervous that it could pop or you could fail. Or what if you fail or what if you're not good enough and constantly trying to uh, rise above that? We probably related to each other more than we realized and just never really got to that place, you know? And, um, And, and, you know, for those that, I mean, I've, I may think I've talked about him before, but my brother, Uh, passed away. And yes, our relationship was better towards the end of his life. But, you know, you just wonder if maybe we had had if we had thought about this or had realized this, what it could have been, you know, it just makes you think about things like that. And even just, and not just dynamics with him, you know, with my brother like that, but just even dynamics with other members of my family. I just wonder how many of them had a relatable thing. And I think that sometimes what I loved about the film though, is that There were, even though Maribel is the main character, there were things about her sisters and her other family members that she couldn't see. You know, because she's looking at them and they've got these special gifts and they're doing all these special things. And, you know, Louisa is super strong and Isabella can make flowers, you know, emit from everything. And she's so beautiful and she's just graceful and everybody admires her and all that stuff. So even for Mirabelle, it was hard to see the insecurities that her other sisters had. She, didn't believe that they had those things like that. There were those relatable things like her until that came out. And I think that it's, it can be a like that with a lot of family members, you know, I'm sure that there are other family members where I may have looked at them and thought that they just had this perfect life or they, you know, their parents, you know, love them in a way that maybe I I didn't think my parents did. Or, you know, sometimes, you know, I think that as a kid, sometimes even as a kid and, and sometimes even as an adult, you see these things that you have these expectations of people and your your family members and stuff like that. But I like how this kind of show, well, maybe you don't fully understand what they're going through. And maybe if you kind of got to the bottom of that, you might find out y'all are more similar than you think, you know, as far as just pressure and what you're going through and different things like that. So I thought the movie was just so great in that way. I love this journey of her trying to figure out um of Maribel trying to find out what's what is happening to the 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 candle and the Kanto and what's happening to the family and why is the house breaking up and everything like that. And as she's unraveling that mystery she's finding out about the insecurities of everyone. And how everybody is sort of bottling up these things and has these expectations and um and and all the way up to the grandmother. And it was those, and it was that failure to see those things and communicate those things and go through those things together and accept one another and different things like that, that was truly breaking up the family. And I think that's so relatable because, I mean, especially as an adult, now you you look back and you think about your experiences and stuff, and you can see elements of that in your family. You can identify things like that. That probably broke up the family, whether it was your relationships or other family members, um, other, you know, uh, relationships between other family members or maybe just your own personal friendships and things like that. You know, certain friends that maybe you didn't connect with as well as other friends and et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure that um, uh, th- that quite a bit of this is um, is very relatable Uh, in that way. So the movie was just so great with how um, it, it did those things, and then on top of that, you know, not to be so just like on that level, because uh, but but on the surface level too, the movie is just a lot of fun. It's colorful, it's vibrant. Um, you know, like ooh, like the sister who could hear every who could hear people and everything like that. Uh, Dolores, I like how on her clothes there were like these sound wave designs. Like if you looked at her clothes that that she was wearing, there were like these little sound wave um, designs on her clothes. So just kind of like, you know, just that little, uh, just an extra cherry on top, icing on the cake of this is what she is and this is what her power is and this is how she, you know, just those little character things like that. Um, I believe that um, butterflies are constantly in this movie, uh, you know, and, 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 and butterflies is a constant thing with Maribel, because, you know, when you think about a butterfly, what is it, you know, it was a caterpillar, then you have the metamorphosis, it's, and then it becomes like this butterfly. And that's kind of what happens to this family, you know, um, Maribel kind of initiates or, Uh, It kind of initiates or is the sort of the harbinger, sort of the catalyst that sort of breaks down this family so that it can have this stronger foundation and be new and be better and everything like that so even the symbolism there is constant through this movie like all of that stuff all these little visual cues so you know me I'm kind of a movie nerd like that I love those allegories and different symbolism and stuff like that this movie had that in, in drove so even it, even though it had that deep family stuff that we're talking about and relationships and stuff like that. But as a film and from a technical aspect, there was so much going on visually that also, um, helped enhance this story and just gave it so much depth just beyond the relationship things that we're talking about. And yeah, I, I and the last thing I'll say before I let Heather go is just the resolution was very, very powerful. And I loved how Like we were talking about, there's no villain here, but I love how the antagonist was just that the antagonist was just the grandmother's character flaw. Like her not seeing that in trying to, Preserve this miracle and trying to protect this thing that she thought was needed. And, 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 and then, um, and then with all the family members with special powers, trying to motivate and cultivate them and not paying as much of attention or seeing the significance of somebody like Maribel who had no powers and all of these things. And then given kind of the, Trauma and what she experienced and how that played into what she thought was important. All of that was so great. And I love kind of the realization at the end that the miracle is the family. It is them being strong and being together and everything like that, that you're trying to hold on to this candle, this uncanto that you think is the miracle and these powers and everything like that. But I just love the lesson that the true miracle is the family and the love that they have and that dynamic and that ultimately, you know, these other finite things, these gifts that we have, these things that we think that we're supposed to do, these expectations and all of these little things; those things come and go. But if the family isn't strong, if the family doesn't love, if the family isn't uh, doesn't have that relatability, uh, then it's going to be tougher to overcome those things. So I just like that message. You know, the true the 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 true miracle was just the family. You know, and she was missing that, and I just thought that that was such a beautiful realization and just and and having a character that has no powers. You know, we're living in a time where um, where we're, we've we got so much superhero content. You know, right now that's what we're kind of into. That's kind of what the world is. There's all these Marvel movies and DC movies and, you know, there's a, I saw a preview for a Crypto the Superdog movie coming out and there's going to be a bunch of pets with superpowers trying to save Superman and, you know, you've got and all these things about special people and everywhere you look, there's these special people of these content creators, and they seem to have the, just the ability to entertain and do all this stuff. And I could see a lot of kids going into this too. Uh, why this is significant is I could see a lot of kids looking around and even just adults too, but I'm thinking about the kids. Cause this being a family movie, I I'm pretty sure there are a lot of kids out there that look around and they go, well, am I special? You know, I don't, have any special gifts or there's not anything that I want to do, or there's not anything that I, you know, I, so it was kind of refreshing to see this character who didn't have any powers, but through the, but, but through the support that she gave other people, the understanding that she had, um, and through, um, and her trying to prove herself and everything like that, and, and that motivation and everything. But even still, she didn't have the physical powers or these gifts that everybody else seemed to have, but she was just as important, maybe even more important because of who she was and what she was trying to do, and just simply the care that she had for her other family members. And I like that we got to have a story about a person who didn't have any powers and was just as significant and just as important as all of these other family members that that had these gifts. That's a very um, necessary story, I think, uh, for today's times, because families don't just put pressure on us. I think culture, our culture sometimes puts that pressure on us. There's this constant, pressure to be special or, you know, kind of like what sold you to have this purpose or like there's this almost like this, like feeling that if you're not special in this way, then if you don't have X, Y, Z, if you are not these things, if you are not skinny, if you are not healthy, if you are not this, if you don't have this six figure job, whatever the, 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 the the variable is, then you are not special. So I think in a also in a way, this is a very um important film for that reason too, because it sort of dispels that, you know, and it's not really about those things, those outward things and expectations we have of people, but it's more about these inner things and our relationships and things like that. And those things don't take special powers, uh to be significant in your life. It just takes effort and communicating and love and seeing those things. And just a movie that just supposes that that, that, that maybe those things are more important. And I like that a movie like this tackles things like that.
0: Heather, what about you?
2: I think one thing that's really cool about Mirabelle's character is that even though she wasn't quote unquote special in the way that her whole family was, I loved her her personality and her attitude about it and how she was still just like, but my family's great, so I'm just happy to be a part of this family. I just love my family. And I I love that they didn't make her character someone who was like, Well, I don't want to talk to anyone else in my family because I'm not special and they all are like, they could have easily gone that route and it would have also been a very interesting story, but I like that they made her this, this person who's very much like, no, it's okay. It's okay because, you know, I'm surrounded by people who are magical, you know, and have miracles. So I, I just appreciate that they did that with her character. Um, the, (laughs) I kind of had a, an, an almost sterling moment too. in in the movie where, um, for me, it was the part when, um, what does the grandmother say to her? She says, uh, no, 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 sorry. Mirabelle says to the grandmother, um, I'm never going to be good enough for you. You know, that line, I was like, Ooh, I've definitely felt that before, <laughs> you know? And yeah. it's, you know, and and even in that same scene when she's kind of defending Bruno and saying like, hey, you only ever see the worst in him. And that's why he's not here, you know, and just kind of dropping these truth bombs on grandma, you know, but they're very real, you know, and um, I just really, I I just that I felt that, you know, because I mean, on a very deep level here. I mean, a lot of it, or one of my big takeaways from this was comparing yourself to others. It it just comparing yourself to family or friends or whoever, but it's always about comparing yourself. And I have done that my entire life, you know, where it's like, you know, I mean, even now, I mean, I'm in my thirties and, you know, I, I, I have all these friends who they're married and they have kids and some multiple kids and, you know, or they've, they've gotten the degree that they wanted and they're starting businesses of their own and very successful in that way. And, you know, all these things, or, um, you know, just sometimes they're doing things specifically that I want to be doing, and I don't get to do that, or I haven't done that yet or whatever it may be. and. It's just very easy to feel like, oh, (laughs) then what makes me special? And that's just a very, you know, I'm not good enough for this or, you know, just all of those feelings come through with it. And, um, I just really like, I, I, I don't know. I think that it was, it was just really, um, it was just very heartwarming and kind of heartbreaking to see that because that not only those three songs that you mentioned, Sterling, were like the best songs in the entire thing, even the one right before the um, the Luisa song where it's Mirabelle just kind of, I think the song is called Waiting on a Miracle. That song, I was like, ooh, <laughs> like there's, there's some, she does this look on her face when Antonio gets his gift, you know, and he, you know, all these things. And I've, I know that look, that look that she gave of like, I'm so happy for you, but I really want some of that specialness too, (laughs) you know? And, um, I mean, and it's not necessarily always wanting the exact same thing as somebody else. Right. But it's just saying, I want my thing that's special, (laughs) you know, and, um, and, and it's, it can be hard because you, you're so happy for them. And you care about them and you want them to be successful or you want them to have that special thing, but also bittersweet. Cause you're like, it reminds me that I don't, you know, and, and there's just a lot of that in this movie. And I just really, I love how they can make it relatable to even adults who, you know, they, <clears throat> they've been living this life longer and they've probably even experienced more of that comparison and more of that, like you know, when is it my time or whatever it may be. Right. So it's just, man, there's so many layers to this movie and there's so many things to unpack. And while everybody sort of takes away the same thing, they still kind of take something a little bit different. And I love that. And I love hearing how each of us have different reasons why this movie resonated with us. And that is, that is kind of similar to what Sterling said. Like that is how you make a great film, that's another element of making a great film. I think if you can have it relate to so many different people on different levels and in different places of their own lives, that's how you do it. And I love that this movie did that so well. Um, You know, it, it's just, I I don't know. I I just feel like there's, um, there's just moments of this movie where you're like, you, you, you feel like, Um, Mirabelle is just very justified in how she feels, you know, but at the same time, you're also like, I I don't know. I think the parts when, like, when she starts going off on grandma, like, I'm like, yes, (laughs) she needs to hear that. She's being crazy hard on you right now. But at the same time, like, I still love that aspect of her that, you know, she wanted to rise above that, you know, you know, she didn't want to go that route with it. And, and that's why it's so much easier to root for her still because she is that character that is so like, it's not about me and that's okay, you know? And that's why it just, I don't know, everything about how they develop her and everything she was doing was, it really was selfless in a way. Like it it might seem like it was selfish. It wasn't like, even when she's going and she's getting Bruno's vision and, she's like risking everything to get this because she's like, what's going on? Like, she's like, if I'm the reason that this family and this house is falling apart, I want to know, you know? And so I just, I just loved her selfless character in her endeavors and you know, how she just really truly does care about her family because um, like even that moment after Louisa is singing her song Um, about how much weight and pressure she has on her. And Mirabelle just immediately hugs her when the song is over. That's just her heart, you know, and I, and I just, I love that. And she's just such a great and relatable and lovable character. And I'm just so glad that they, they built her this way um, in this movie. Um, I mean, honestly, there's, it's so hard to find something in this movie that you don't like Literally, there's nothing I don't like about this movie. If I have to be nitpicky, the only thing that I can think of that I might want to, you know, say, oh, this would have been a cool thing to add is the fact that Mirabelle's dad didn't have any powers either, right? Um, Because he, like, married into the family. So... There might have been a really good opportunity there for them to share that moment of being like, yeah, like, I understand where you're coming from, you know? And I mean, you get a little bit of like, he obviously is like the oddball out there, but you know, in that moment when she's so frustrated and she's struggling so much with this and, you know, he has to understand how she feels and just even like a quick moment of like, trust me, I get it. I completely understand like how you feel. And I honestly, for a minute, when, when um, Mirabelle was sitting by the water before I could see who was coming behind her, I was like, Ooh, I wonder if her dad's going to be there. And they could talk about like, yeah, there's, (laughs) there's something about being in this family and it being really hard to feel like you're special or that you belong in it. You know, I I think that that could have been a good moment. It wasn't needed because of how well they did the dynamics of everybody and every relationship in this. But I'm just saying, if I have to pick something, you know, that it's not a, you know, it's almost a perfect movie. (laughs) But I'm just saying, if I have to point out something, it might've been cool to have a moment like that between them. And it's okay that they didn't, because she had a lot of moments with everybody else in her family. So it was fine, but I'm just saying because they shared that one thing in common and that's a big part of her insecurity and her fear of feeling like she doesn't belong and he would get that, you know? So that's my only thing. Again, not needed, but I'm just saying if I have to say something and be very nitpicky, I would say, yeah, it would have been cool to add a scene about that maybe, but you know. um, But no, I just think, The, I also love that with the songs and the music that they did, um, the music, the style of music that plays for every character also matches the personality of the character, (laughs) you know, like the song lyrics of course do, but the style of music just goes along with it too. And I just, I just think it's very clever how they do all of the song arrangements. Um, and yeah, that one song, uh, that song that's in Spanish, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And I actually want to look up what the lyrics mean. Um, man, that song, it's so heartbreaking and beautiful. And yeah, just that, that's that song in itself tells the story of literally everything that's going on in that scene. Yeah, absolutely. It's so perfect. It's so well done. Um, a very standout moment of that movie for sure. So yeah, I think that it's just, uh, I don't know. Like, I know I always say that, I know I always say that, like, I'm not a huge animation movie fan, animated movie fan. These types, and in more recent years, I've just started to change on that more because of how they're doing them now and the pro- profound things that they're putting in these in these movies that make it relate to not just children and whatever and like just the the care and the thought that they put behind how they tell the stories of the characters, but also what the story is about in general and just the universal themes that relate to everybody. I just I love how well they're doing it and they just do it exceptionally well in this movie. So yeah, it's top notch.
0: No that's very true. I I I mean it clicks and I I just
3: didn't actively think about it at the time. Uh that you know it's really interesting that like you said the the way they did each song was very unique to each character and stuff. Yeah. And I get what you're saying too with some of the stuff with you know like why didn't you know she talk to and confide more in her dad? Or even her uncle, because her uncle didn't have powers either, because he married into the family. Yeah, true. Like, she could have related more to them and stuff like that. But I think that that's also what kind of makes it more isolating, is that, you know, that these, she's supposed to have powers, though. You know what I mean? Nobody looks down on the uncle and the dad for not having powers. You know, the grandmother doesn't look down on them at all because they don't have powers. The grandmother does that's look true. down on her for it though, you know? And so, well, I think she could have sought more refuge or more connection with those characters. And she didn't. And I do agree with that. It's just, they don't have the same pressure she does. And I think that that might be why she can't relate to them is because that's a
2: good point. Yeah.
3: No one, they know what expects them to have powers. They her to you know especially whenever like yeah there's also the fear that the, the 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 Bruno vision was about her
1: true yeah
2: like
3: destroying everything you know but then I also like that too that like I liked the fact that Bruno's vision about her was different you know that They openly acknowledge that it can mean multiple things within the story, you know? And then I like the fact that with Bruno, he's like, I don't make bad things happen. Like, he's like, that's not what I do. Like, I just see what's going to happen, you know? And he means the best when he tries to warn people or tell people what his visions were. Because he was telling them that to help them. But because they automatically viewed what he said... As a potential negative. They always took it the bad way. And it became a self-fulfilling prophecy on their part. Yeah. You know. And I thought that that was a really interesting way of handling that.
2: True. Like even with that. um, That part that he says where he's like. You know the the vision would change. You know and you see the picture and it's like it could go either way. And that that was really cool too that they kind of mentioned that where it's like basically it's up to you how this is going to (laughs) go.
3: Yeah. But then at the same time, I liked that it wasn't really up to her because I liked that the vision was accurate in regards that it would crumble because of her, but it's not necessarily her fault, you know? And once again, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy though, because once the grandmother found that out, She automatically thought that Mirabelle was the problem, you know, and it became, like I was saying, a self-fulfilling prophecy on Bruno's part. Like, he just said what he saw, and it's everyone else's actions are what make it come true, not him. And, you know, I liked the fact that, like, it fell apart because of her, but then also the vision was still accurate, though, because it came back together because of her. And I I, I really liked that that was an interesting twist that technically the prophecy was accurate both ways that the the house broke because of her and the house was whole because of her
2: no that's a good point and i guess like in that moment too when like bruno was explaining it you know she had to go talk to her sister is what was decided like right after that conversation they had and i guess in my head i was thinking of it as like she could very easily choose not to talk to her sister and not try to fix this and I guess maybe that's what I was thinking of with it, but no, that makes yours. Obviously that's what they were going for, but.
3: Oh no, but yeah. that's true though. Cause she did have that active thing where, she, you know, and I liked the fact that to her, the most important thing was like, oh, we hug, you know,
2: right. She's missing the and, point of it. Yeah. And
3: that wasn't the point of it. Like hugging wasn't the point of it. The, them gaining an understanding and being closer as a family was the point of it. But I liked the fact that she just saw in the vision, it was a, Oh, we hug each other. So she kept being like, hug me. And then <laughs> yeah. when she, when she abandoned trying to force that goal, when she essentially abandoned trying to fulfill directly the visual representation of the vision that they had, it happened because yeah, you know, when you're actively trying to seek a fate, that's whenever, you know, maybe you don't get it because you're trying to force things that aren't there. Right. And then when you, you know, just
0: actively take part in some of that stuff, maybe that's when it happens. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All, all of that is good points. And then like with the house breaking down, I think it also just sort of, you know, just sort of kind of puts that message out there that even though they saw this house breaking or this foundation being broke as a bad thing, I think it also kind of just goes to support that sometimes you know the the walls have to come down sometimes you have to break something to build it back up you know sometimes that's what it takes you know it takes kind of hearing those hard truths or something um or something that may seem like a negative, it may seem like a negative. Oh, we don't want that, you know. We don't. We didn't want this house to come down and everything like that. But in the house coming down, it was something that was going to bring the family together. And she was sort of the 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 glue, or almost like the 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 new foundation. You know, she was like the. The, the person who could kind of connect with every family member and kind of see what was making the old foundation weak, you know? And it kind yeah. of is a message about those generational things, kind of like with the raccoon, right? Like it's a message about how sometimes these things, this trauma of the older generation – uh, you know, even though there is a foundation, there is a house, there is a family, yes, the family exists, but sometimes those things, those trauma holding on to those things that maybe we shouldn't, or we should be looking at things a different way, or we should be embracing each other and looking at things differently, sometimes that family that foundation that is the family is not as strong as it could be or it could it's just weak it's not strong at all or it's slowly losing its foundation because of these things we're trying to hold on to and not because they prevent us from holding on to each other and sometimes you have to break away from those things that are causing the family to really drift apart you know And I think that was kind of in there, too, like they saw the prophecy, you know, certain family members saw the prophecy of the house breaking and stuff as a bad thing. But that was kind of the twist, too, is no, this breaking needs to happen so that we can have this metamorphosis. You know, the caterpillar has to go into the cocoon and metamorph and break out of that. That cocoon has to be broken so we can get the butterfly, so to speak.
2: Yep.
3: Well, and on top of that, too, like with the whole theme of breaking stuff to heal it like that, that fight she had with her grandmother right before she ran away. It's the same type of situation, you know, if they didn't have that fight and she didn't say the things she did to her grandmother, her grandmother wouldn't have learned the lessons. Yeah, and they wouldn't have healed the family, you know. And that ties back into it, too, you know, of what you were saying, Justin. Sometimes you have to break things down to build them back up, you know. So once again, it kind of just shows how many times that this movie can use the same themes multiple different ways. And metaphorically point towards the same like point every time. Mm
1: hmm. And sometimes those are the hardest things to do. Like those kinds of conversations are the hardest conversations to have. I've had them. I've had to have them with certain family members and stuff like that. And it took years to get to that point and to be honest about things and stuff like that. You know, I'm not trying to say, oh, I pulled a Maribel or anything, you know, but uh, It did help, you know, a certain commun- line of communication did help. But I think that in a lot of relationships, that's hard. I mean, how many times do people in marriages say all the time that the moment we stopped communicating, the moment we stopped being honest with each other and not wanting to argue and face those things was the moment that the relationship started to dwindle? You know, it just makes me think about things like that. Uh, The office. It makes me think about Jim and Pam when there was a moment where they thought about I think it was a the Valentine's Day episode and everything went wrong and they were going to and they were just going to not. They were trying to avoid the fight like somebody said it was either. I think Jim was like, look, I don't want to fight. You know, because if we go home, we're just going to fight. Or if we go now, I know what we're going to do. We're going to fight. And then there was kind of this realization that Pam was like, no, let's go home and fight. We should fight. We should hash it out. We should. Let's go home and let's fight. And he was like, "Okay." And. Sometimes that's the uncomfortable that's the hard thing you have to do, <laughs> you know uh, yeah. so you know it you know it just makes me think about all sorts of like relatable examples of this and how. I think a lot of times we run from those things, facing certain family members, trying to tell the the truths that we are afraid to tell for whatever reason, because it it hurts too bad to relive those things, or we we don't think it'll get the desired result. Whatever the fear is, there's some legit fear there to do those things, and that's why what Maribel did is just very brave because there are people who live a lifetime and never get to that stage, never get to, they're they're never able to do that. You know, it takes real courage and real conviction to sometimes do that. And sometimes it just has to be, somebody has to make that push. Somebody has to risk that, you know, in, in a lot of those situations and Uh, Some people never get there. So, you know, again, just a a very profound movie with a profound message.
3: Yeah. And, I mean, to even tie back to what you were talking about with The Office, when, you know, Pam has that realization of, like, no, let's go home and fight. Uh, If I'm remembering correctly, Jim says something to the degree of, like, uh, well, you better get ready then, Beasley. Like, you know, which was kind of playful about it, but you know, put him on the same realization too of, yeah, it's going to suck. We're going to fight, but maybe that's what we need to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's funny how we got to the office, but you know, it's my fault, but still, it's crazy how it's great how it all goes together. You know, whether you're talking about two raccoons or um, uh, the, the family of Madrigals or Jim and Pam, you know, just so many, like, relatable things about it, you know. It's just such a universal yeah. message, as Heather was saying, you know.
3: Yeah, it's just universal things to just being human That these, that this movie really just kind of taps into. I mean, in so many regards of like, even like if you're an only kid and all this stuff, you're going to have unique pressures within that. And, you know, maybe the, the character of Isabella speaks to that, you know, of what you're what's expected of you and what you really want in your life and stuff like that. And like those kinds of things, like that's what I thought was so great about this movie was the fact that they had so many different characters and it allowed which allowed for such diversity in points of view to make it to where almost on a just in general human way you can probably relate to at least one of the characters at some point in this movie because of
1: that yeah and the movie cared enough about every individual character and was deep enough to understand that even these characters would have trials and things and pressures. And even these characters would would fail to be understood. It wouldn't just be the character with no powers. Even these characters with these abilities, there would be some insecurities there too. And there would be some expectations on them that... There's no way Mirabelle would understand that, even though she's got her own insecurities to deal with. And that's what I mean by like kids today are lucky because... I swear, if this story was written in the 80s or 90s, all of those other sisters would be assholes. And then Maribel would probably at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. gain her own special power. And it would be all of them eating crow like, damn, she really was the rawest person out of us. You know, it it would be something like that. It definitely would have not been this, you know, it would have been. Something like that, you know, but but this is almost like this would be like if Cinderella was a movie and you find out that all the stepsisters had these significant things that they, all these pressures on them and all this stuff like that. And and, and then suddenly Cinderella is feeling bad that she even called them wicked stepsisters. We find out about everybody and then we find out about the stepmother and all of a sudden it's like, damn, like I can relate to all these characters that wouldn't have happened back then, but it should, you know? And I like how this sort of uh, is, it tells this story in a way, in a such a way that, and a care for such, for all the characters that I just don't think that would have been the idea years ago, you know?
3: Well, because for so long, Especially when we were growing up, the idea of having grayness in a Disney movie was just utterly impossible. Like, everything had to be clear cut. This was the villain. Mm -hmm. These are the good people. You know, villains are always bad. Good people are always good. You know, when, you know, we all know in reality there's levels to everybody you know very rarely are good people just always good for completely Mm -hmm. like altruistic reasons some people are good for selfish reasons and vice versa there's levels to people that would be considered bad now i mean there are people that are kind of universally just considered bad but i mean just in general though the spectrum of humanity for the most part, humans in general kind of are gray or in the middle. You know, sometimes we do good things. Sometimes we do bad things. And in this movie, I like the fact that none of the characters weren't without their flaws with some of those degrees. Like even the, the protagonist of the hero, if you will, of this movie, Mirabelle. Well, a lot of it was like her intentions were always good. You know, when you look at some of it, you know, she just wanted to talk to her sister, Louisa, um, to see if she had heard anything about problems with the house. And then she just wanted to talk to Isabel and hug her because a vision said that that would fix everything, you know. So she didn't even go into some of those interactions with the real intention of what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, and you can argue that that's, you know, for the bad reasons of doing things. So I like the fact that even our hero in this did some things that weren't necessarily good. They weren't necessarily evil, but they weren't just altruistic, selfless, good things either. Some of her pursuit of trying to fix the situation or find out what the situation was, was selfish. Now, it's understandably selfish in a lot of regards. It's relatably selfish, but it's still selfish, you know? And I appreciate that, that there's, you know, there's flaws, there's grayness, there's just dynamics to their personality that, like you said, Justin, we would never get back in the day, you know? You would never get you know, a backstory of why the evil stepmother was the way she was or, you know, anything from her point of view, really, you know what I mean? Because yeah. What was she from the very beginning of the movie? She's the fucking evil stepmother. That movie yeah, gave her no chance. In
1: the, that's, that was the title. Like, I mean, yeah, there was no chance. It was literally her name. <laughs> Wicked stepmother. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and then you have the evil witch. You know, you have the, like, it's always the evil this, the evil that, or the bad this, you know, like they, they have no depth in some of it. Now, some of it's fun. Like, you know, I love the villain of Scar. I think he's utterly fascinating. And I think that there's an incredibly deep and rich backstory that you could play off a lot of those dynamics. You know, I know you guys did a, uh, uh, a review of this and I saw the movie uh, later. Um, Cruella. Now, I, I, thought oh, the movie, yeah. I thought the movie Cruella was it was amazing. I thought it was a very good movie. Um, but then when you really look at it, they really did a weird job of making it to where that cannot connect to the same fucking Cruella de Vil you got in 101 Dalmatians. You cannot mm-hmm. connect those characters right. anymore. You know? Yeah. And that's fine because you don't like, and the, maybe we'll get a better 101 Dalmatians that doesn't have Cruella DeVille just be want to be a puppy murderer. The whole fucking movie. You know, yeah, you'll get maybe get a more dynamic and gray and layered character. Now, that would be awesome. I would love to see that 101 Dalmatians. You know, I had no real interest in seeing Cruella, even when they announced it and when it was getting you know, like I just ended up watching it. I know it was great. You know, like they did so many interesting things with the character because they grade her out, you know? And while she was not necessarily the best person in the world at the end of that movie, she was still very like, you know, fucking bad. There was just so much depth. And the fact that, You know, like I said, that might lead to a revamped 101 Dalmatians is fascinating. I know you and me, Justin, have talked a a lot over the years about the idea of like a backstory for Scar and all this other stuff. Yeah. And for so long, we always had the caveat of, but Disney would never do anything like that because for so long, Mm -hmm. Disney wouldn't we might be able to get something like that. Now They probably won't because it's an animated and it's lions, whatever. But like be, now it makes me think like how much of a missed opportunity was that to not do that in the quote unquote real animation or, you know, live action animation. Yeah. Lion King. Like how much more of a missed opportunity is that now that like, one or two years after that movie came out, all of a sudden, Disney can make gray movies? Oh, God. Why couldn't they have just waited to do Lion King then? Think about how much like better that doing that version of the Lion King would be if they grayed out Scar. And even if you and grayed out Mufasa. And gave them yeah. depth. And gave them layers. And everything's not just black and white and good and evil. You know? Like, God, that would have been such a, like, way more interesting movie. It would have done something we talked about when we did that episode was they didn't do anything to really justify doing this version. Because it's the the same thing with weird soulless lion faces. Like, (laughs) you could have (laughs) graded out and given it depth and Justified making this version of the Lion King and just been so interesting about it. It would, it, it, and, 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 and it's not like John Favre can't do something like that. You know what I mean? Like, he fucking resurrected Robert Downey Jr.'s fucking career. You know, he was just kind Grim. of the good for nothing Hollywood drug addict. And now he's just, like fucking Hollywood royalty now. And he yeah. just, you know, and you can't tell me that he couldn't make a movie like that. He could have done so much greatness, but Disney didn't want to do stuff like that back then.
0: And it's it's crazy. That was only a couple of years ago. Like, that's only a few years ago. Right. And now they're willing to? Oh, it'd be fantastic. Like... It's just like, because like, you know, there's that one, there's that
3: one song. I don't remember who does it, but you know, the singer says, she says she's mad at Disney. And the whole idea is watching Disney animated shows and the the princess movies and stuff like that, like gave her fucked up romantic expectations. And that's something we've talked about in tropes and all kinds of stuff, you know, and But now think about what the kids are getting. Like you were talking about, Justin, like how you're jealous and all this other stuff. Like what the kids are getting nowadays. You know, you're getting Disney princesses that don't that aren't fucking damsels in distress. When you look at like the Frozen movies and stuff like that, you get, Mm -hmm. you know, you get something like or Moana. Moana didn't need to be saved by anybody and stuff like that. Like she's, you know, so you're getting Disney princesses that don't need to be saved. And then you're getting fucking movies like this that have no villain and are just about human emotions and family dynamics and just the idea of being insecure or finding your place in the world. And that's the plot of the movie, you know, like these basic just human concepts Are the driving force of the movie not some external evil force you know even if you want to go back to some of the fucking like Pixar stuff even if you want to count some of that like a movie like Inside Out that's about dealing with emotions and 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 feelings and and memories and all kinds of things like that like all these things that or We never got, you know, the only close, the closest thing we got to all of this was fucking Mr. Rogers, (sighs) that man.
1: More emotions, more emotions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you definitely got a point with that. Or like I think about toy story where like the, the antagonist was kind of Woody's insecurities And the comparisons he made between him and Buzz Lightyear, you know, like that was what had to be overcome was he the inadequacy he thought he felt because he thought he was being replaced by Buzz, like in that first Toy Story movie and their relationship and all of that kind of stuff like um, even even then, it was a little bit in there. Like Pixar, I think got there just almost before anybody. Like, like they, they did. Just,
3: they did because Inside they, Out was years ago. They got there ago. before
1: anybody. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. even yeah, Inside Out was years ago and stuff like that. Like, but even like I think about like the superhero movies too, like the, the, even the, like the, the heroes and the characters are more great than they used to be because, you know, it used to be just pretty straightforward. Like, you know, superhero, ha ha, you know, there's a villain. Ha ha. He's bad. He's good. Boom, boom, boom. They fight villain gets killed or something like that. But what's even kind of cool is like in this Spider-Man movie, that's even addressed like where, You know, Doctor Strange is like, well, these guys die fighting Spider-Man and you have Spider-Man going, man, you know, you got this Tom Holland Spider-Man going, man, I don't want to kill these guys. That, I mean, even that is kind of a, a cool thing. You know what I mean? Because it was so acceptable back then to just see a superhero movie and just kill the villain. But I like that he's like. That was the coolest thing about the previews to me, was that there was a Mm. part where he was like, "Uh, I I don't want to kill these guys. There's got to be another way to do this. Yeah. That was tight to me. Or like, or, or even like the protagonist not being so great. Like Shang Chi is another one I think about, where there's this mystery about you know his father sending him to kill this person that killed his mother, and this there's this whole thing of what happened with that, and there was him saying I I didn't do it, you know I ran away I ran away, but then we get to a part of the movie where he's talking to Aquafina and he's like I did kill that guy. Dude, that yes. is some shit. Like that never used to happen. Well, and you can tie a never. lot of that.
3: Yeah, no, and you could tie a lot of that back in a little bit to even Black Panther, where yeah, Black Panther was. You know, they did portray him as more like he always tried to. You know, made the right decision or whatever. But you at least had the fact that at the same time, Killmonger wasn't wrong.
1: Yeah. 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 They at least, well, they and didn't he had, and he they looked looked gray out his out. father so much.
3: Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying they didn't gray out Black Panther as much, but they did gray out the villain, at least in that movie.
2: Mm hmm. hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like as the world is progressing, like <laughs> the people, they don't want what they used to have. They're like, You know, I want to see stories about heroes that are like me, you know, or I want to see stories about people who have overcome things that I've overcome or deal with things that I deal with. And I think it's an awesome place to be at in the film world right now because those, I I think that's why, yeah, in more recent years, movies that have those themes have been so much better because that's what people want now anyway. Because that's, I mean, who doesn't want to just feel that relatable element to those things now. And that's, that's what it's about these days. And and I love that because that's where, that's what I've always loved most about movies that I, that I watch and that I continue to watch. It's the ones that I relate to, you know?
3: Yeah. I mean, like I want to, like, you look back at something like, all right? you take this movie right here in Canto Like 13 year old me could have insanely used a movie like this. You know, like, there were so many points in my life where a movie like this would have had a profound impact on it. I mean, fuck, I'm 35 and this movie still has a profound impact on me.
0: Whereas, but like, what did we have
3: back then? Like, oh, you're a fucking princess and this prince is going to come save you. I can't relate to that movie. (laughs) Yeah, I can't relate to being a mermaid. Like <laughs> you know, I can't. Like you look back at. I mean, those are good movies. Like Little Mermaid's not a bad movie. Like nothing against Little Mermaid, nothing against Cinderella or any of those movies. But like
0: they're so fucking bland, though. They're all the same shit. Like,
3: I mean, those movies are like the weird stereotype of a white person bringing potato salad to a cookout. That's what those movies are. Like, it's just bland and weirdly has raisins in it. No one knows why.
1: That's what those movies were. <laughs> or at the very least, they just lack depth. Like, c- c- you know, like for every good thing, you could probably find something that should have been more explored or could have been more developed like with the little mermaid the, the 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 message about trying to get to a place where you feel that you belong and you feeling like you don't belong and But, but, but there's this other place that you feel like if I could go there, if I could be there, that's where I really belong. Even though I'm not from there, I feel like I belong there. And that's where I'm trying to get, trying to get to somewhere I belong. That's a relatable message. But yeah, you know, if that was made today you would also address the other characters you know we we would understand the sisters you know like that's a great contrast too at the beginning of the little mermaid there's the song where we hear the names of the sisters and that is it That is pretty much all we get from the sisters. You know, they're introduced and Ariel's missing because she's somewhere else. And it's more about just establishing that Ariel is somewhere else. She's not at the ceremony because she could care less about that. She's the oddball. She wants to be somewhere else. But in in Encanto, we named everybody and everybody was significant to the story. And that's yes. kind of the difference. Like if if Little Mermaid was yeah. made today, there you would have addressed the sisters. All that would have came together, and there would have been this message about them having to accept that she was different but at the still loving her and then maybe it would have been something where even though the little mermaid went away there would be occasional times she would still visit them and stuff and th- there would be this understanding that nobody was bad per se they love their sister and the and king triton loves his daughter but you know it, it would have just been more depth to it way more depth to it but instead, you just get this one thing about it that's one or two things about and Ursula is great, but I love Ursula. But like, you know, but there's this one or two things great about it. But you would have developed so many more things if that was made today. There are so many things that they didn't even touch in that movie that should have been, you know? Yeah. So. And,
3: and you wouldn't have had to have her, you know, the catalyst of her wanting to find where she belonged just be a guy that she saw like, you yeah. know, she
1: could like, there'd be more to it than that. That's yeah. why it'd it, be more about like, it yeah.
3: blends out that fucking message of finding where you belong. It gets so blanded out because it's just cause, Oh, Oh, I saw this guy. I want to go be with him. You know, that's what blands out. The story is in so many, re- like yeah. she kind of becomes a bystander for some of it, you know? Like, that's why it kind of ends up being to me, like I said, bland is she's she's not doesn't necessarily play an active role in some of the big parts of that. And it's just the dumbest of motivations, you know, like I, I completely agree that, you know, it has that great message of just finding where you belong and all this other stuff. But they go about it in such a boring fucking cookie cutter disney princess bullshit way and yeah whereas this movie like if you think about it now if they did little mermaid now that like you said they would have explored more of the family dynamics they would have explored more of all this other stuff and they would have said like fuck prince david or whatever the fuck that guy's name was like you wouldn't he can be in the movie but he doesn't have to be so fucking important because he shouldn't have been. Like, you know, they could have just met each other when she fucking went up there. You know what I mean? And he, you know, yeah. like all this stuff and you could have had some fun dynamics because it could be like, well, she couldn't talk. So they couldn't really communicate. But he's like, oh, but you seem like you're from out of town here. I'll show you around my kingdom and just like show her things and they do fun activities and like just show her what it's like to be up. You know, he doesn't know it, but on the, you know the land side of things and just gone about it that way and all this other stuff. And so, yeah, you can have the romantic connection. I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it should have been the fucking catalyst for her to finally go. You know what? I'm going to go up there now because, yeah, you know, yeah, I
1: was fascinated because, with this yeah, you're place, right.
3: but I saw this guy. So now I have to go there.
1: Like, come on. Yeah. And there have been people that I've seen memes about that, too, or funny things where people are like, this story is basically a woman that leaves her entire family and existence for a man. And I've seen it joked (laughs) in that way about it. So, yeah, you're totally right. Like he would have been part of the things or maybe like. Like you said, I like that story of her going up there and him showing her all these things and explaining these things to her. And maybe through that, through that connection with where she wanted to be and him sort of bringing more light to this to this earth, life that she wanted, maybe that's how the love develops from there. And and even at the end, it could have been like, well, I don't know if you're the one yet, but I want, but now I can walk. I have legs. I can, we can explore what our relationship is. And I can explore what my relationship is to earth now, now that I can walk and stuff like that. You could have ended it differently. It didn't have to end with a marriage. And, A big ceremony, you know, it could have ended more like, uh, you know, now that I am in a place where I feel I belong. Now it's time to see, you know, now it's time to explore that more. And he could have been a part of that. He didn't have to be the 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 end all be all of that. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Like it would have been way better now. But, yeah, see, it's like as it is, that's what we got.
3: Yeah, like because like her, you know, she was obsessed with kind of the quote unquote land culture, if you will, and stuff like I'm really fascinated by modern European culture, not necessarily historically, because historically, Europe was shitty to most of the world, but like modern European culture and like modern European food and stuff like that. I'm incredibly fascinated by it. And I want to just go to Europe. And we've talked about it before with the whole idea of like, if you had no bills for a year, what would you do? And I said, like, I just go to Europe. And I'd eat and drink nonstop. I'm like, I'm utterly fascinated with all of that stuff. And I'm, I'm very interested in, with it. And I want to go there some point and do these things, but it'd be like, I have that fascination with Europe. And then I just like open a catalog or watch a YouTube video. And there's some fucking hot European chick. And I'm like, yep. Got to go to Europe now. I'm just uprooting my life. Cause there's a hot European chick. So I now I have to go there now. Fuck everything. I'm going. Like that's, if you said that to somebody, (laughs) they'd call you fucking dumb. Yeah. And that's all Ariel did. That's the shit we grew up on. Like, how did we turn Mm -hmm. out into like
0: semi-normal, fairly well-adjusted people? We grew up on some bullshit. Like so many
3: of these fucking Disney movies, people made the worst decisions ever.
0: We were just shoveled that shit like it was the fucking gospel, oh man,
3: yeah, like I'm not gonna yeah. lie. The more Disney keeps doing movies like this and stuff like that, I am starting to hate fucking old Disney movies, even fucking classics that you would typically think were like untouchable, like I'm looking back at some stuff like even fucking like Beauty and the Beast, and I'm like man. They'd make a better one now. Like even what you were talking about earlier, Justin, when you brought up Toy Story, if they made Toy Story now, you could do, because like you said, they did bring up themes that are more akin to something like this, where kind of the antagonist of the movie is Woody's jealousy and stuff like that. But then they also, because it was the fucking nineties when they did it, they had to throw in, like, the Sid character. Yeah, all.
1: there had to be this boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
3: They had to put a personified villain into it. Think about if they did Toy Story now. You would have not gotten Sid. And I, and I say that as a positive. You would have had the movie just be about the jealousy of Woody and the dynamics that that created with the other toys and what it created with Buzz and how it fed into that stuff and you could still do a lot of what toy story did because a lot of that was the catalyst behind a lot of the movie. And then that way they could have resolved it without there being a a weird conflict. You know, they could have overcome their differences without the, you know, the threat of being blown up by Sid.
1: Yeah. You feel like if it was made now, they would have had this impression of Sid. Look what he does. He put these toys. Look how they're all, like, uh, wired together and stuff like that. And then once they met those toys, those toys would have been like, well, really, we see Sid as a savior because I was trash. And he kind of, you know, he made, even though I'm a piece of this thing now— I I get played with now. He found the significance for me when these other owners didn't. And it was sort of like like you just feel like now it would have they would have assumed things about Sid and then found out that actually he sort of turns these trash toys into his treasures you know there would have been some sort of way to make sid a little more gray as well you know there would have been some significance to that character besides he's just the mean bratty kid that destroys toys you know oh i really
3: like that i feel like you would have had that i really like that idea. i feel like you
1: would
4: yeah
3: because then that would have given like that would have changed woody's perspective on what it means to be a toy and all these things. Like what's the most important part. And like, you know how you help with the kid and stuff like that. Some of the lessons we got in like toy story three and stuff like that. And, you know, you could have had some of those in toy story one with that. And, you know, Woody realized that his value isn't necessarily, you know, being the number one toy. It's just, being able to be there whenever Andy needs him. Oh, man. Yeah. I really like that version <laughs> of Toy Story. Not that I have a problem with the original Toy Story. I don't. I'm just saying, I think now we'd get a better one. And it yeah. would just take some small tweaks towards the end. I feel like the final third of the movie is all you'd really need to tweak.
0: Yeah. And it would just make it that much better.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or especially like prophecy movies or the one movies where there's just this one person who is just better than everybody else and is destined to do this one thing. And everybody else is just like, oh, go you. You do this one thing (laughs) better. And, And every other characters. And of course, there are better stories of that than others. But A lot of times in those movies, all of your other side characters who don't have the ability or didn't get the name wasn't written in the book or whatever the case may be, they seem so insignificant to this one. And it's usually, let's just be real, it's usually a white male that has this ability or is this chosen person to do this great thing. And you just think that like even today, they're kind of tackling this idea of just this one person that does, you know, normally now that person is flawed or he needs help or his friends are so th- these other people in his life are so important to him that there's no way he could do this without them. You know, now it feels a little more clear L- like like that. Even that is sort of changing, you know.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. Because I, that's honestly one of the things that I'm probably the most tired of in movies is the idea of the one, the chosen one, the savior characters. Like, you know, that's, I think, one reason why Dune doesn't click with me as much, because that is the character, Paul, you know, he's fucking, yeah, you know, Dune Jesus. And, like,
0: because that's just such a tired trope to me, because... Very rarely
3: is it possible for somebody to be that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, even Harry Potter, I think, takes it a little too far with some of that stuff with him being the one. It does to do a little bit more with what you were talking about, about relying on side characters a little more. Like, there are very much a few times in the in the series and st- in the books and movies that Harry is a little fucking useless and Hermione has to save his ass. Yeah, Yeah. that's at least a positive in that is that it does show that, yeah, the chosen one kind of sucks sometimes at some things like people, you know, you have to rely on other people. You can't just go and do things on your own and be the chosen one and shit like that's such a fucking tiring trope. And that's one thing that I thought Star Wars was doing a little bit of in this new trilogy And then that third movie, Mm -hmm. they ruined it.
1: Yeah. And it became all about destinies
3: again. Oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. I was so happy when they were getting rid of some of that shit. Cause I'm like, yes, there's a universe of people. You can't have one fucking savior in a universe. Like let alone, I think it's, it's tiring when it's just 7 billion people on earth and you're doing chosen one stories, but like they've got intergalactic travel. So you've got more billions and more planets and it's a universe of shit. And it's still about one fucking person or one fucking family. Like, fuck off. Like it's a universe. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's such a tiring fucking trope. The fate of the universe comes down to one person. Ugh!
0: How fucking played out and boring is that shit? And once again, tying this real quick back into
3: Encanto, I love the fact that while you do have the main character in something like this with, with Mirabelle and stuff, she couldn't be the savior on her own. As much as she wanted to save the family and wanted to fix the problems and stuff like that. Doing it on her own is what was could cause the, you know, it to go bad and did help cause it to go bad. And it not necessarily just her on her own, because You know, her grandmother didn't want to listen to her in those situations and stuff like that. But just the idea of doing it on your own in something like Encanto showed to be the flaw. When you have a family and you have these people in your lives, if you rely on them and you talk to them and you, you know, prop each other up and stuff like that, that's whenever you can actually succeed in your goals. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: Bam, tied it back into this fucking movie.
4: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. which once again shows how fucking great this movie is. Man, oh man. I was gonna, well, I did have one problem with this movie, and honestly, I
3: don't even remember what it was at this point. Oh, yeah, I do. The very first song, The Family Madrigal, the end when she starts going very fast, I was not a fan of that just because, once again, my hearing issues then caused a problem. She was just going oh, yeah, I get that. so fast. Oh, yeah. That like I could no longer make out the words. <laughs> I'm like, ugh. That was it. That was really kind of my main problem with the movie was the end of that one song. Cause I'm like, man, I don't understand her anymore. Cause she's just going
0: so fast. And I get it. I'm losing my hearing, but still. It just doesn't help. But yeah. For that being my only main critique of this movie. Yeah. I think they did a good job. Because once again, if there were other flaws and stuff like that in the
3: movie, I didn't notice it. So, yeah, and that's kind of my trademark
0: of whether or not a movie did a good job. Do I notice your flaws? Because if you're good, yeah. I might not.
1: Yeah and you know and it was what an hour and 40 so it wasn't overly so stuffed or overly long um so that was good oh and uh, um and yeah you know and after that kind of conversation we had about um uh in the heights uh, a tip of the cap to this because there was a diverse tone of colombian people like there were dark-skinned Colombians, there were light-skinned Colombians. There were that there, there were all different palettes yeah. of Colombian people. So I'm hoping that this, you know, may may find out some later. So I don't want to say, oh yeah, this is unanimously. I'm not going to go that far, but this appeared like it tried to get all of the different types of Colombian people in there. At least it felt like they tried to have representation even in that way. So I'm just giving it a tip to the cap for that. I noticed it and was happy that it was there, you know?
3: Well, and I think this movie also set itself up for success in that way of by just focusing on one country's culture with it.
1: You yeah. Know? Yeah. That
3: too. Yeah. Like in the Heights, that is part of the problem with it is, is it has so many cultures it's trying to combine That you are more likely to miss things or, you know, not represent things properly or something like that when you try to do too much with that. And I'm not trying to say that they shouldn't have attempted to do what they did or they couldn't have done better. I'm not trying. Like, I'm just saying when you focus on just Colombia, It's a lot easier to focus and get those things right because you're just able to focus on Colombian culture and you know, I have heard some things that people were having issues about that not everybody in this movie, including like Lynn Manuel and stuff like that,
0: aren't colombian, you know um but mm. <sighs> the positive I'll give it with that is like they They didn't have white people doing it at least.
1: Yeah, we I mean, could have had that. If this was made back then, it would have just been. Yeah.
3: Dude, if this was made in 1998, fucking all white people, dear God, who would have been like Britney Spears would have been your fucking main character. She would have been Maribel. And it would have just been, it still would have been in Colombia. That's the scary thing, it still would have been in Columbia. <laughs> But, I mean, at least with it, like, and I don't know necessarily the ethnic breakdowns of every single person in this cast and stuff like that. You know, with some of that stuff, you do have to kind of play your odds of, you know, how many people can they reasonably find that are Colombian in Hollywood to play these parts that are active in the scene, you know? Hmm. Like, so with some of that stuff, I don't know, but I still think that there was infinitely more effort to be authentic than not, you know, there was at least care and
0: attention spent on trying to be as authentic as possible. And it's, it's once again, like we've talked about before, you know, at least they're
3: attempting to moving forward. Even if they haven't quite get there yet, that's not necessarily fine, but it at least shows that we're moving forward. Like, we have to still acknowledge that there's more steps to be taken, but at least we're taking steps forward also.
1: Yeah, you're seeing an effort being given, you know? Yeah.
3: And just next time, if we did, if it does fall short, cool, next time let's do better. Let's just keep that mantra. Let's just keep doing better. And once again, as compared to most Disney movies, it seems like they give a fuck about a culture more than they used to. So we're making steps because yeah. mm-hmm. Disney was probably one of the worst perpetrators of not giving a fuck about people's cultures for a very long time. Just so long. Yeah.
0: Because even when they would try to make up for it, they would do it in some shitty ways. Like,
3: I kind of feel like they made Pocahontas to be like, we're not racist towards indigenous people like you all think we are because of what we did in Peter Pan. Look, we'll do Pocahontas. Dude, we're not going to have any indigenous people in the fucking movie or voice any of the characters. But look, it's an indigenous character voiced by a white lady that really kind of makes me think that that really is why they did Pocahontas to be like, no,
0: no. Peter Pan wasn't real. Look, we care. Ugh. fuck. We got garbage. Anyway, any more thoughts about this movie guys?
2: No,
3: not good. Good. We need to wrap this up or I'm going to start going down a list of Disney movies and all the fuck ups they did. So anyway, on that, it's a long list on that note. Maybe we need to do an episode on that. Just going through Disney movies and just why as great as people sometimes think Disney is now, how for a long time they were just kind of the evil empire. Let's be real. Uh Anyway, on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the cinema slayers podcast. Disney don't kill me. Uh Check us out on the internet at com or Facebook where we're Cinema Slayers podcast or Twitter and Instagram where we're Cinema underscore Slayers or on TikTok where we're Cinema Slayers pod. I recently became aware that like the last week's worth of my TikToks are just not there. I don't know what happened. I'm probably just going to have to re-record all of them and put them back up. But I'm like missing a week of them and I'm very confused as to why. So I don't know. So if you're ever like, well, why did Sterling stop at the beginning of December? I didn't. I kept doing them. They're just not there, and I don't know why. So I'm currently trying to figure that out. Hopefully, I'll have that rectified soon. Um, But, yes, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell your friends' family. Tell your family's friends. But especially tell those dear sweet mothers because, I don't know, I think moms would like this movie. I think all fam- like all members of the family would like this movie. So as a family and as a friend family, And as a family's friends, go see this movie. It's nice. I'm assuming if you're listening to this part of the podcast, you've already seen it. But just in case, if you haven't and you're weird, go watch this fucking movie. We all said so. Um, And once again, as always in the TikToks and this podcast, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner.
1: Slavers, Uh Actually, does does Mirabelle count as a? Is she a Disney princess now? Or that that, that no, she can't be, huh? Because they weren't. They were kind of like royalty, but they weren't. Well, see, so the, the, the whole idea she is, but she isn't.
3: The whole idea of Disney princesses got very, very skewed at some point. You know, like who's a princess, who's not a princess? You know, they have these weird arbitrary rules. And I don't know what's what, but I mean, if you think about it, I mean, she should be, cause it's like, a, you know, it's almost like it's a magic castle, if you will, like
1: all kinds of stuff. It is right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like the royalty of that town. You know, they have the magic They're the, the, the people that the whole fam that, that the town looked up to and everything like that. And, her yeah. being kind of, you know, it, it feels like she's a Disney princess, and if she is, that's cool because that would make her uh, a Colombian princess, and she wears glasses. She's a princess with glasses, but then also
3: I really she's think totally like that, that that means Luisa and Isabel should be too. Yeah, but then then it makes you wonder why aren't any of Ariel's like nine sisters not see? They would be on that bullshit. Mm.
1: Hmm, that's a good point.
3: I mean, I learned infinitely more lessons about life through Louisa and Isabel than,
0: or Isabella, whichever one it is, than I did fucking Ariel. I don't hate The Little Mermaid. I'm not picking on her. It's just, it's a very easy movie to pick on, though.
3: (laughs) Because it's one of the most ridiculous outside of the even older ones, like Sleeping Beauty. Oh, my God. It's terrible. (laughs) I can hate on that one all day. (laughs) Even Snow White and Cinderella, I can start picking those apart, too. I really do almost want to do an episode now about this. We just talk about all the terrible fucking things Disney did and set us up for.
1: Or just dissecting them and talking about, like, If they were made today, what approach would probably be taken with it versus what wasn't done? That was interesting when we talked about that. Yeah, but that might make
3: an interesting topic. Some of them would be incredibly easy, though, because it's like Sleeping Beauty. You just don't fucking make the movie now. That's how you fix that one. (laughs) (laughs) You just don't do it. Damn. Well, there's nothing about that movie that's great. You know, it's still True Love's kiss, but the motherfucker, she's asleep.
0: How do you, how does she know that she truly loves him? How does he know he truly loves her? She's fucking asleep. Like, you know, literally nothing. There's yeah. no way to
1: have True it, Love's it, kiss
0: it, in that scenario.
1: It would almost, I mean... She would she would almost have to wake up first and then the curse be on a time limit or something. And the guy tries to kiss her, but it doesn't work because there is no love. So it's kind of this journey to like find that. I don't know. You're right. This would be very difficult to do. (laughs) Yeah, you couldn't do it. Like
3: that would be a weird thing to do with that curse is like, okay, you got to her. She wakes up for 48 hours. Now, see if you love each other. Then it becomes a weird speed dating movie.
1: Yeah. And and still, it just would be unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know how you fix that. Yeah. You just don't make it.
3: We're not even going to get into consent issues or anything like that with this movie. We're just going to get into the idea of how the fuck can it be true love's kiss if one of the people is asleep and you've never met each other. Like,
0: (laughs) you know, how yeah. nonsensical cool is that shit? And also, how yeah. long is the movie Sleeping
3: Beauty? Because how long can it really be? Your one of your main characters is asleep the whole movie, and the rest of the movie is just him getting to her. But it's not like it's even a buddy dynamic or anything like that. How fucking long was that movie?
1: I don't know.
2: I'm looking it up.
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, wasn't it An even hour sixty minutes? fifteen hour fifteen? Oh, okay,
2: that's Fucking yeah. half
3: an hour too long for that story. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I don't really remember. Like, I don't directly remember the whole movie. I remember the end where he goes through the thorn vines and fights Maleficent as a dragon. You know, I remember
0: that part. But what were they doing yeah. for the other fucking hour and ten minutes? How, like, you got the
3: Bibbity bob No, that's Cinderella, isn't it? I don't know. You got the fucking... The little fairy ladies. Was the movie about them? I'm not going to watch the movie. I don't know why I'm trying <laughs> to figure out the plot of that movie. I'm not going to watch it. I don't care that much. It's dumb.
1: Wait, am I wrong? Or was she? Did, did they meet each other before she went to sleep? I don't. Th- what the fuck wasn't if some I know sort of song? I thought... Wasn't there some sort of... Weren't they in the forest or something? And there was that song like, uh, Once Upon a Dream. I love you. I wanted you once upon a dream. Am I making that up? Wasn't that something Justin, that they were...
3: I don't fucking they, they remember They saw that each movie. other.
1: <laughs> they saw each other, right? And then they were sing- He was singing that on his horse, right? I don't know. The memories are coming back. I want to say she saw him <laughs> and fell in love with him... In that moment, oh, it yeah. was a
3: love at first sight she saw gimmick. Got it? Yeah, it still doesn't help that movie.
1: And then, yeah, it was love at first sight. And then um, Maleficent was like, "Oh, you're gonna get pricked on the spindle." Yeah, because remember there was mind control, right? And she was zombie I'm, walking. I love how steps. you
3: say "right." Like I'm gonna acknowledge it, or anybody is. Um, I'm
1: waiting on you to go, uh-huh. Yeah, Justin. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, I remember. I mean, Do I you remember. could be completely right. I
3: always thought that, like, I thought she got, she pricked her finger, like, way earlier, and she's, like, been asleep for 20 years or some shit.
1: No. I think they did meet before, prior, and okay. she was falling for, and there, were the, there was the fairy god, or the fairy women, the godmothers, and yeah, because I remember that song, and I remember you're introduced to that song because she sees him. She's living with them, I think, isolated for some reason. And then, oh, because Maleficence does the curse, right, and says if this ever happens, she's going to prick her finger. And there was that death prophecy for her right so then the king and the queen were like well you can't live here and they burned all of the oh it's all coming back now they burned all of the spindles because of the prophecy and then she went with the fairy godmothers to live in isolation with them so that that prophecy would never come true but in falling for this prince and seeing him, and she got out and started venturing out. And that's what leads to her getting in trouble and then pricking her finger. She goes to sleep. And then this guy that she met at mm-hmm. Love at First Sight, he defeats Maleficent, bam, kisses her, bam. So, yes, they did meet. Yes, they did.
3: I stand behind everything I said. Fuck that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I still think it's 45 minutes too long, even with you telling the whole plot. It could have been a sweet, <laughs> sweet half hour episode of TV.
1: <laughs> I'm sh- shocked I remembered that much of it. Like, I, I haven't seen that in years, bro. Like, it's been... I don't know. How and I conjured that up?
3: I vaguely remember that now when you're talking about, like, the curse, and they burned all the, like, the spindles or whatever, you know, like I vaguely remember that part now.
1: Yeah. The imagery of the spindles yeah. burning. Yeah. And that that's a vivid image in my head. And that's what made me like put it all together. And I remember the song once upon a dream. I, I remember that. Cause that's like the only, that's one of the few songs in the film, you know, and sometimes you tend to tie these movies to a song. Oh, well, I do that. I don't know. Or a couple of songs that you oh, like yeah. well, or with remember. With the Disney or, movies, yeah, yeah.
3: The, that's kind of what you have to do. Like because yeah. If you don't like do that, they're all, they're all the same movie.
1: You know. Where you wish upon a star. You know, I always, you know, when I think about Pinocchio, I, th- I think about that song or, you know, whatever. Et cetera, et cetera. What anyway, song, what song do you think about... We've
3: when you when you think about dumbo
0: god do i have to <laughs>
3: nope i just that. wanted to ruin this for you <laughs> i hate you <laughs> this is the sole reason why i did that i just wanted to ruin it for you thanks <laughs> <sighs> Oh, Jim Cross. And you just kind of felt like you were getting a little too reminiscent for, like, and nostalgic for old Disney. I had to bring you back down.
1: You had to bring me down to Earth?
3: Yeah. just kind of had to remind you of what what else was happening around that
0: same exact time. Mm. Why? Oh, racist Disney. Hmm. I still can't believe that one of the most iconic,
3: and I know we're still going, and everybody's like, probably nobody's listening I this I truly
2: point. thought you guys thought that we had stopped recording. Did you stop? Like, uh, no, I'm still going. Okay, I just good. was like, did they forget that <laughs> they is, have it?
1: Nope. I was about to say, is this the longest we've ever gone after the song? It
2: has to be. No, and there was I one other time. I thought we were in this 13 different times.
3: There was one other time we went very long after I remember because I think that time we also went, wait, is this the longest we've ever gone? Um But like just talking about old Disney, I can't believe that like one of my the most iconic songs from my childhood with Disney was never even from a movie. But then when you're like older and you find out it's also from the most singular racist movie Disney's ever done with Zippity Doodah. Oh, God. Yeah. Like growing up, you would just see it on like they would do like little Disney music videos on the Disney channel and it would just show people like riding rides on the ride like at the parks and Zippity Doodah would be happening or you go to the fucking parks and you would go to like Splash Mountain and it would have all these random woodland characters that you couldn't quite place in any movie. But you're like, oh, okay, and then they play Zippity-Doo-Dah, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, like I know that song. Yeah. And then you find out everything's from Songs of the South, and
1: you're like, oh. I know, and you feel so dirty inside. I remember going to the park, and that was playing over the intercom. Zippity-Doo-Dah, zippity day. And I remember humming and singing along when I was at Disney World, and now it's just like... It feels so dirty. Like, it just feels... Yeah. Man. I'm going go to go have to take a exactly shower why. after we're done recording because of this. I know. And now that's exactly why I'm like, I'm jealous of today's kids. Yeah, dude. Do you know what they're
3: changing? The Splash Mountain too? right? What? Uh, Splash Mountain. I think they're theming it now after Princess and the Frog. The, oh, tight. They're getting rid of the uh, all the Songs of the South characters. And they're going to theme well, it after Princess God. and the Frog. But, yeah. Which, sure. Anything. Because, like, I mean, you need to have Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain is an iconic ride. You yeah. know? It's an iconic ride. But, God, everything around it is so terrible. And just, who thought that that was okay? After Disney had more or less openly acknowledged that they didn't want anybody to remember they made that movie and they still went, no, 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 we're going to do a ride based on it though. We just want to <laughs> yeah. it. And you, it never clicks when you're a kid. Cause you're just like, Oh, it's woodland creatures. I'm sure they're in Disney. Who knows? And like you, like the way they always sh- like played and showed zippity doodah. You're just like, Oh, you know, like I honestly always thought of that song as like a, A song about having fun at Disney
1: World. You know? That's what
4: I thought the song was about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To me, it was like the principal theme song of Disney. Like, I thought it was one of those significant songs. You know, the only song I used to put above that was Wish Upon a Star, you know? Yeah. But at that time, I thought that was just as significant because I heard it so much.
3: Exactly. And like I said, every time they did it, they just showed you images of the parks. And so that's what I thought. I thought it was like the theme song of the parks. You know, like that's what it was about. Going to Disney World and having a good old day and shit. You're just zippity-doo-dying on the rides, whatever the fuck that means. Ugh. And then it's all slave songs. Fucking Disney, man. I'm glad that they've kind of got a soul now. Like, not really. They don't have a soul. They're still Disney. But, like, at least they're actively trying to make people think they do. Kind of like a sociopath. Like, they've at least now acknowledged that they're evil to themselves. And so they're wanting to mirror other people's behavior. So they look less evil. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Kind of like how Dexter wanted to have normal relationships on the show. Because he wanted people to think he was just a normal person. Mm -hmm. At least Disney's doing that now. Like They're just trying to be like, no, no, we're not evil. Look, we do these not evil good things. Instead of, you know, pumping out evil shit. All right. You guys ready to end this now? Or do you want to bring up other terrible